Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, forget about last summer. It's all about this summer. We've all been inside long enough, so grab some beach towels, stock the cooler, and make your escape. It's time to celebrate the best season of the year like never before. With so many great stories and programs, Audible is the perfect summer partner. And now is the absolute best time to do it because Prime members can save... 53% off your first four months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals, all available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release. Yours to keep forever. But here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. Audible is a perfect companion for summer because no matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Perfect for road trips, lazy beach days, long bike rides, or just barbecuing in the backyard. Right now, for a limited time, Amazon Prime members can save 53% on four months of Audible. That's only $6.95 a month. If you're not an Amazon Prime member, what are you waiting for? Go to Amazon and sign up so you can get this deal and so much more. Get more out of summer with Audible. To take advantage of this incredible limited time offer, go to audible.com wade. That's audible.com wade. Wade. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is 
Welcome to the Best of PW Torch Livecast. It is Friday, August 6, 2021, and thank you for subscribing or streaming the PW Torch Livecast. Today we go back on our Best of Livecast edition here to five years ago this week with our Raw post show and our SmackDown post show. This was in the midst of SummerSlam hype, but perhaps more notably, it was week three of the post-brand split era of Raw on Monday and SmackDown now live on Tuesdays. James Caldwell hosted the Raw post show. Greg Parks hosted the SmackDown post show. They both took live calls during the program evaluating the angles and matches and SummerSlam hype, but also just how WWE was making the shows feel different and better or worse or the same regarding uh, the all the expectations, fears, and hopes post-brand split. So let's get to it. The first show is from August 6th, 2016, and the second one from August 7th, 2016. Here we go. This is life. are listening to the PW Torch live cast. This is the Raw Post Game Show. It's Monday night, August 8th, 2016. I'm your host, Torch Assistant Editor James Caldwell, taking your phone calls and emails here on the Raw Post Game Show. If you want to hop on the phone lines and give us a call, the number to reach us is 646-721-9828. You can shoot us an email to pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com. Talking about tonight's Raw, we have full coverage at our main website, pwtorch.com or pwtorchvip.com. My full report on the show, a three-hour talk fest, as well as quick results. News of the day, SummerSlam, the updated lineup with a new match announced for the U.S. title between Rusev and Roman Reigns. All that plus more, pwtorch.com, pwtorchvip.com. If you're not a VIP member, pwtorch.com slash govip is where you find out how to sign up and join the VIP community. And uh, let's kick things right off with some phone calls. So let's just jump right to calls. And I've got uh, Uncle Dino over here on uh, WD Network We're talking to Stone Cold. I'll uh, recap that after we do the post-game show. Watch that uh, that full interview from uh, Dean Ambrose and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So that should be a – I don't know what to expect from that. And obviously I'm not listening to it, so I don't know what the verbal – is so far, but it seems like an interesting dynamic of them. Uh, yeah, I think on the Raw pre-show, they try to present it like a mirror image that like Dean Ambrose is Stone Cold 20 years later. I wouldn't go that far, but uh, it is uh, interesting, the, the dynamic between them. So um, I look forward to listening uh, to what they have to say after we wrap up here on the Raw postgame show. So let's go to phone calls. And uh, first up here, talking about tonight's Raw from the 478 area code. Welcome to show 478. Please state your name where you're calling from. Durrell from Georgia. How you doing today, James? Hey, I'm good, Durrell. What are your thoughts on tonight's Raw? Uh, seemed like they went back to the pre, um, the, the era pre-draft split a mm-hmm. little bit. Too many talking segments. Mm-hmm. Um, just It seemed like the matches was used to be filler for the talking segments. <laughs> Um, yeah. The only two big things I got up out of it was they finally let New Day sell for um, a tag team, and I like the little segment for um, Anderson and Gallows. 
and to get around all the people who was down in about um Finn's talking ability that he hasn't showed yet. Um I like how they did the little um video for him so to get him past his um little flaw right now as his talking segment. I like those two things were the biggest two things to come up out of tonight's three hour sleep fest. But uh <laughs> Yeah, That's I'll come back to Drell. Yeah, I'll hit on some of those points. It, there was just way too much talking tonight. They had four or five, I mean, dedicated in-ring promo segments. And I get it. They're two weeks away from SummerSlam. They want to hype the big matches and not give away too much. Where, where's Sami Zayn, you know, for for a match? You know, where where did he go? You know, where, where are the other guys in the roster you can put out there and have a, have a match? And, and, you know, have a good match with somebody. Uh, you know, there was just a lot of talking. There was a lot of short. There were, there were a lot of short matches. Uh, I mean, it looked like the main event was going to be Kofi Kingston losing in a minute and a half to to Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows tonight with a doctor gimmick. Uh, and then they threw out a, a main event of Rusev defending the U.S. title against Cesaro, and and uh, Rusev retained when Cesaro uh, was interfered against by Sheamus three times. Uh, so. You know, that ended up being the main event. They didn't advertise the main event. They didn't really advertise any big match for tonight. A lot of kind of smaller secondary singles matches. So uh, I'm with you, Darrell. This felt like a pre-draft Raw. Uh, and, you know, two weeks ago when they had the first Raw of the new era, it felt like the start of something new and fresh and different. And we talked, you know, we talked two weeks ago, can they sustain this? And my concern was, you know, two weeks ago they had the important matches. They had... Two four-way match, number of contender matches that went, you know, about 40 minutes combined. Then they had a main event of Bauer and Reigns, which went, you know, about 15 minutes. So, you know, there, there's almost an hour of in-ring time for three big matches. And, and here we are two weeks later, and they just they don't have the ability to do that. They're back to, what do we do? You know, how do we fill three hours of Raw? Uh, and, and they're, they're, you know, they're back to the old bad habits of let's have people stand around and talk. And lull the audience to sleep. Um, you know, the audience came around for the very end because Daniel Bryan came out from SmackDown as the GM of SmackDown. And, and that helped things out uh, for the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the show. Uh, but the first three hours, a lot of talking. Just a lot of talking. Um, New Day in the club, you know, they, they sold you on the idea that New Day's in jeopardy. I, I like that, as you pointed out, Darrell. Uh, you know, the club bid with them as playing doctors. And uh, having uh, Biggie's, uh, well, I mean, P Diddy, P Diddy said balls, so or nuts. No, he said nuts. Uh, and his one, <laughs> P Diddy was advertised for for Raw as a guest star, and he the only thing he did was one backstage segment. There was no out in front of the crowd. There was no music. There was no. <laughs> I guess they had enough promos. They didn't need another promo. Promo. He just did a backstage bit with New Day, and that was it. That was his appearance on the show. So, so he did that, but, uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, the, the club stuff, at least they got a one-up on New Day, puts New Day in jeopardy, makes it seem like New Club's a threat, so that's good, followed up on last week, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Darrell, this felt like a, a, a giant step back from, giant step back from two weeks ago, and, you know, last week they were kind of sliding backwards a little bit, and, and this week was a, a, a full slide back to where they were pre-draft, so, you know, making about the authority figures with Foley and Brian and, you know, uh, Foley in multiple backstage segments. So, 
I mean, you, you kind of knew two weeks ago wasn't going to be able. They weren't going to be able to sustain that week after week. Uh, but you were, you, you know, you kind of hoped that shows like tonight weren't going to happen again. And, and then here we are, three weeks in, and it's already back to massive talking and very little wrestling on Raw. Now, that's kind of disappointing. Uh, Drew, anything else on your mind from tonight's Raw? No, that's, that's nothing really else. Um, I just know that the crowd liked to see Daniel Bryan, but I wouldn't want to see them in the ring. Um, that's a problem I had with um, SmackDown, with them always mentioning Raw. It seemed like every segment they had a slide or something to say about Raw, even on the talking smack, they brought them up a lot. I don't want to see them intermingling, coming together like that. I know they got Brock and Randy supposed to be fighting, but after they did what they did, no, they shouldn't have came together like that. It shouldn't have been no deal of them together. So, but you talk, you touched on the things that I saw in the two, in the two big points. Those were the only two big things I seen they build from um, tonight. Yeah. That was about it. So, no. Yeah, good stuff, Darrell. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned Finn Balor earlier. I, I thought that was maybe one of the high points of the show was uh, the video package where Balor is kind of telling you about, you know, the, the alter ego, the demon, which now they've labeled the Demon King now. Uh, I thought they're, <laughs> I th- when Seth Rollins was cutting his promo, I thought he was calling him Demon Kane. And I'm like, are, are they trying to link Balor and Kane together? And it was it was just too much for me to handle all this talking of going back in time to Kane and, and Seth Rollins and that stuff from last year and make you kind of sick uh, week after week of them bickering. But I thought he was saying Demon Kane. I guess it's Demon King. And that's the new label for uh, Finn Balor's alter ego. So that's his main roster persona change. Uh, yes, you know, SmackDown kind of referencing Raw, it does feel like, you know, they're, they're still trying to get over the, the idea of SmackDown being inferior to Raw. There's still a sense of, like, everything still leads back to Raw, uh, which, you know, is, I hope goes away over time. You know, I mean, the, the whole point of this whole brand split was to have a brand split. And if SmackDown is going to continue to be linked back to Raw uh, and have, you know, the exchange of authority figures and the exchange of talent, like like an Orton Brock situation, then, you know, they haven't done anything. It's just, you know, it's just marketing. And... and just you know, over time, people will see through that. So well, we'll see over time if they figure out how to make SmackDown be its own entity and let SmackDown be SmackDown and not related to Raw, not a function of Raw. And, and you know, let Cena, let Styles, let Ambrose carry this thing. Ziggler, now after they, after they kind of rebuilt Ziggler a little bit last uh, last Tuesday. So that we'll see how that plays out tomorrow night on SmackDown in week two of the rebuild of Dolph Ziggler. Darrell, appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Let's go to our next caller. Next up here on the live cast, Raw Post Game Show, 773 Area Code. Welcome to show 773. Please state your name. Where are you calling from? Boris from Chicago. Hey, Boris. Hey, good to hear from you. What's your mind tonight? Well, I'm definitely not going to talk about Raw. <laughs> what I do you want to talk about, Boris? Beyond. New Japan, G1, Ring of Honor. Uh-huh. Um... My first thing is, can you, in case people are still under the W Rock, Ring of Honor has accomplished something with Jay Lethal that WWE has never accomplished with a uh, black wrestler. Mm-hmm. I want you to elaborate on that. And I want you to talk out about some good points that you didn't see, because I'll be watching you on Twitter, on G1. Because I've been joining because, Noah, we've been seeing new faces ever since... New Japan lost their biggest stars, and they came over here, and we barely, you know, we haven't seen nothing these guys are capable of, mm-hmm. you know, on the big, on the big, on the big, on the big stage. You know, we see, you know, we see a few of them are coming some in NXT, you know, which doesn't really get the light of day, but right. we haven't seen these guys that that put on a really clinic show, come to the big stage where the big money's at, where the company is praised to be the biggest company in the world. They get the biggest stars, and they're doing nothing. The best segment we've seen is them put on a, a white a white jacket and do comedy, which they show and they can accomplish everything that W asks of them, except for what they can really do is wrestle. Mm-hmm. 
but I want you to talk about G1 is what you see now. And the new faces from Noah and all this stuff. Just let people know, because there's a lot of people here this show, that there's some good wrestling out here. And I'm not going to beat that dead horse again. Those are my two things right quick. Sure. Now, coming after you. All right. Thanks, Boris. Appreciate the call. Uh, I think the, the New Japan stars coming over uh, to WWE, you know, you had AJ Styles, who's had a successful intro, but now he's tucked away on SmackDown, which, you know, it totally makes SmackDown really feel like the the It show is is going to feel like it's kind of off the radar. You know, SmackDown, SmackDown's got to have something. There's got to be a spark. You know, I, I thought that a lot of the stuff that went on Raw would be over on SmackDown. The announcers changing positions, the emphasis on wrestling, the cruiserweight division, you know, things that could make SmackDown really stand out all went to Raw. And, and SmackDown still doesn't quite have that identity that they keep talking about. And everybody keeps saying, oh, you know, SmackDown's a wrestling show. Well, well let's prove it, you know. Uh, let's have some tournaments. Um, you know, let's introduce some some matches with a sports-like feel. Let's have a clock. Let's do the Cruiserweight tournament-style stuff, you know. Uh, make SmackDown feel like a sports show. You know, if you want to make it about, you know, legi- like legitimize the wrestling that, a show that uh, is, on, is on SmackDown, then make it feel like sports. You know, kind of like the Cruiserweight tournament. And, and try that on the mainstream and see how that works out. But they haven't done that. It, it's, it hasn't been differentiated. And so SmackDown still feels like it's it's the, the B show. It still feels like it, it's off on the radar. And, you know, AJ and Cena and Ambrose are kind of tucked away over on SmackDown on Tuesday nights. It's got, it's got to get something. There's got to be something. There's got to be a spark, some juice, a little pop. And I think AJ could provide that. Obviously, Dean is champion. Could Cena supposed to bring the mainstream in, right? Cena didn't really happen yet. Uh, yeah, the, the New Japan G1 climax is, you know, no surprise. Epic matches. Uh, we've got full coverage of the G1 every single day at uh, pwtorch.com, pwtorchvip.com. Check out the the New Japan G1 climax central. We have. All of the match results, the standings, we have Sean Radican's reviews, we have his matches to watch. Sean has watched every G1 Climax match so far in this uh, almost 20-show tournament. They're about three-fourths of the way through. Um, so, he, you know, there's been a couple five-star matches. You can find out those matches in, uh, in our uh, New Japan G1 Climax Tournament Central. And uh, Sean's watched all of them. Uh, I have not watched all the shows and all the matches yet. Uh, I posted all the results, thanks to our friends over at PuresoSpirit.net, uh, but I have not been able to watch all the matches. There are so many good matches this year. And, you know, I mean, you figure some of these guys are going to be coming over to WWE next year. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be sort of a, a rotating thing of of guys coming to WWE. And, and as you said, Boris, how does WWE, you know, what does WWE do with these guys? AJ Styles has had a really good half, first half of the year. Now, can they make SmackDown relevant to where he's to where he's a big deal again? Uh, and the club, you know, has been sort of up and down. And tonight they're kind of doing some of the goofy stuff and paying some dues and being humble a little bit. You kind of like the Dudleys. Dudleys coming over from TNA and re-signing with them last year, and they, you know, they've had them be humbled a little bit. And now the Dudleys just kind of feel like a tired act. Um, you know, and Bubba Ray was doing some great work as Bully Ray on TNA TV, but that hasn't translated to WWE TV. The, you know, the, the link between all this stuff is WWE has a certain way of doing things, and you've got to figure out how to fit into it. If you don't fit in, 
it's not going to work. You know, kind of like, you know, a classic example of Tensai. Coming up from New Japan, Albert, you know, A-Train, Matt Bloom, Jason Upper, whatever you want to call him, um, come, came over as Tensai and the gimmick failed. You know, it just didn't translate. A little bit different now. They're, you know, they're not doing stereotypical Japanese wrestler gimmicks. Um, you know, they let Shinsuke Nakamura be Shinsuke Nakamura in NXT, and he's the biggest star in the promotion or the brand. But what, what happens on the main roster? You know, what, what will they do with Shinsuke on the main roster? You know, it makes you wonder if, if they can get NXT to the level of a SmackDown to where they don't have to, quote-unquote, call him up, where he can be the headline act along with a Bobby Roode, with a Samoa Joe, with an Austin Aries, with Asuka, with Bayley, um, with a Revival, over on with, with Gargano and Ciampa. On the NXT brand, that is positioned as an equal to Raw. Probably not SmackDown, but an, if you can get an equal to SmackDown, uh, you know, maybe you don't have to call up these guys and girls. You can keep them on NXT and it doesn't feel like a demotion. And, and you know, if you get them on a, a pay-per-view and have the takeover specials be the equivalent of a WWE pay-per-view, uh, you might have something. That might be a, that might be some time down the road, but uh, Nakamura could get you there. So, uh, you know, I'm really curious which guys that are in the G1 Climax right now, you know, might end up on WWE TV next year. You know, you look at uh, AJ Styles and Nakamura. They were in the G1 Climax last year. Carl Anderson, uh, Luke Gallows, and, and they're on, you know, they're on WTV this year. So it's kind of fascinating. Um, Jay Lethal uh, as African American Heavyweight Champion of Ring of Honor. I mean, Lethal, you know, Lethal deserves that spot no matter what. He just, he's just, a, he's a really good wrestler who's really turned into uh, a really good star. You know, he, he's gone through the process in Ring of Honor of going through the journey and uh, and finally becoming champion and then kind of developing his own persona and, and really being a top star who feels like a big deal for Ring of Honor. Now, Ring of Honor, everybody hasn't capitalized. Uh, I think Ring of Honor has been uh, one of the sub-stories of 2016 is Ring of Honor has really just been treading water throughout this year. You know, they had the relationship with New Japan, not really taking advantage of it. Uh you know, they've had some good crowds, but I, st- I still think there's some novelty that's drawing those audiences. If, if you strip away a lot of the roster next year, including potentially Lethal, whose contract's due at the end of the year, you're not going to be left with a lot of stars next year. And, and then the novelty of the New Japan's going to be totally worn off. Uh, to where, you know, Ring of Honor has got to figure out a new creative direction. I, I've written that for months, over, you know, not, not like consistently, but over time. Uh, they need a new creative direction. They they need uh, a different way to differentiate the product. You know, they had Destination America last year, side-by-side side with TNA. That ran out. Uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, you know, they bought out the, the Tennis Channel. Ring of Honor might end up on, on that whenever it's rebranded. Who knows when that will, ha- will take place. But, you know, R- Ring of Honor is just kind of lost in the shuffle right now. And I don't feel like they're really differentiating themselves. I think the creative has really been poor the last couple pay-per-views. Uh, and uh, Jay Lethal has been a great, uh, a great uh, shining star, if you will, for for Ring of Honor. Um, but you know they really haven't capitalized on anything. I mean, with Lethal as champion or the New Japan relationship, it just kind of feels like they're treading water creatively in marketing, and, and they don't really have that that signature voice to connect on social media. Uh, I think that, that would be a big driving factor if they had that person to connect with the audience and, and get people excited about the product. They don't have that person right now, so uh, I think Ring of Honor is just kind of uh, kind of stuck where they are right now until they figure out a new direction creatively and marketing-wise. 
Boris, appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. Next up is from the 305 area code. Welcome to show 305. Please state your name. Where are you calling from? Hey, what's going on? DJ from Miami. Hey, DJ. What you got on your mind tonight? I got two I got two questions, but I wanted to ask you two things real quick. You forgot to say the Olympics is on, and I guess that's why Vince is not wrestling because he knows, really knows he's going to watch it because the Olympics, I just wanted to, you didn't really say anything about that. What, what, what's your point, that, AJ, that, pe- that they, they're not having wrestling on their show because the Olympics? Yeah, like, I, I feel like I feel like Vince is saying, you know what, there's so much talking tonight, you know what, the Olympics is on, nobody's going to really watch, and everybody's paying attention to the Olympics. So, that, I don't know, I mean, you know how Vince is, you know what I'm saying? He's very strange at some things, and so, you know, like, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying, like... Yeah, I, I know what I know you're saying, DJ. I'll, I'll go back to... Vince was actually asked about this asked about this on his... Uh, WWE's last quarterly conference call, and, and they were asked, you know, do you think that the Olympics will affect WWE business, you know, TV competition? He's like, ah, no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, you know, once you're in the moment, though, yeah, I think there might be some of that. They're, they're probably watching the Olympics, and, you know, USA Network is affiliated with NBC, and NBC is airing the Olympics, you know, eight, 800,000 hours Olympics coverage and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, so there might be some of that, but, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the way to draw in an audience is have a, have a couple good matches that, you know, that really draw you in. Some good wrestlers, uh, a reason for the match to exist. To me, if you got, like, five segments where people just stand there talking, I mean, that's channel-changing stuff to me. You know, I mean, if this wasn't... If this wasn't my job to cover tonight's Raw, I would have changed the channel like four or five times. I mean, I was just bored to tears watching some of these promos that just went on forever. I'm like, I don't care. Just get on with it. Let's get some wrestling on this show. And so I, I think that for a lot of for a lot of the – yeah, but you're right, DJ. The, the mindset oftentimes is like, well, how are we going to draw in an audience to keep them when the Olympics are on? It's, well, let's have, you know, let's have a bunch of talking segments, you know, and let's have people talk and – I'm the opposite, man. If, if you want to keep me to watch a show, let's have some action. Let's, you know – if I'm if I'm what if you know if I'm tuning in to watch a wrestling show, I want to watch wrestling. That's amazing idea. Uh, but their mindset is like, yeah, I guess people want to watch talking. You know, it's just it's such a backwards mentality from WWE. But you're right on, DJ. That might be part of their mentality is is uh, hey, you know, let's let's have people just stand there and talk and not waste matches and 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 stuff like that. But I, I just think that's I, I think that would be a very futile thought process if that's what they. If that's what they were thinking, but it is certainly worth introducing as a reason why they might have gone that direction because of Vince's mentality. Um, so that's worth pointing out, DJ. So, uh, good point. Uh, go ahead. What else on your mind, DJ? I definitely see it. I mean, you know, you know how Vince is, and I feel like, mm-hmm. listen, I mean, why? I don't understand. Is Brian good guy? Is it bad guy? Like, listen, when 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 he said was this, when he said, hey. You know what? You're not doing good in this kind of come to us. Now, when that happened, this is what I think should have happened. They should have said, okay, you know what? Let's do this. If he wins, he goes to you. <laughs> Plus, he gets the belt. Mm-hmm. Or something crazy. That's what's like, okay, that's it. It's over. Bye. Like, you know, like, like it was like, good guy, bad guy. No, wait, good guy. Let's say good guy. You know what I mean? Like, up, down, up, down, like, listen, that would have been the best thing that would have happened all night. Like, oh, Cesaro's going to SmackDown. Everybody would have went nuts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't do anything. It's, I have no idea. These writers, it's, 
I swear to God, a six-year-old kid can write this stuff. I don't get what's going on. This is horrible. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Yeah, I think the WWE's trying to figure out how to kind of get to SummerSlam and get through it and move and and you know kind of really hit a reset. You know, I mean they they had Battleground, they they had the draft and they had Battleground and they had a four week turnaround to SummerSlam. They they kind of had to quickly hype some matches and, and move on to some different stuff. And I think they're you know I here's a, I mean it, it it's a it's a big macro issue, I mean, and I'm not sure how deep I want to go in the macro, but the, the macro is they need an offseason, creatively and structurally and talent-wise. They they need a break in the action to where they can physically sit there and hit, I mean, just creatively hit a reset button collectively as a unit and just say, we don't have to write TV for tonight's Raw. We can take a breather and figure out and map out what we want to do. I just think that when they're week to week, you know, they hit the artificial reset of the draft, and there's an artificial reset uh, battleground, and they got another artificial reset of SummerSlam coming up. But you know, then they got to turn around and do another network special. You know, for, you know, SmackDown's got a network special three weeks after SummerSlam uh, on what is it, September 11th or something like that. 
you know, yeah, they've got Summer Sim the 21st, and there's a network special three weeks later. You know, and then and then uh, Raw has one on the 25th, I believe it is, in September. So Raw gets a little bit more time to hit the reset button after Summer Sim, but I just think that so much of this is is they they really need a they need that break to map out what they want to do, and I think that they get especially for a three-hour Raw. I mean, three-hour Raws are just beast to write. And they just get stuck. You know, they, they get the excitement of the draft, and they get a whole new roster to work with, and they get a really, you know, one really good show. And then they say, now what do we do? <laughs> and they don't know what to do, you know, because they, they need a hard reset. They need to sit there and take a month or two off and have a month or two off. And, I mean, I mean legitimately, have Raw go away for... A month and replace with the cruiserweights. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna get a lower rating, and then come back with a full raw show. And you've had time to have the writers sit there and reset and figure out and map things out for eight, ten months, you know, and be able to, you know, have room for injuries or suspensions and things like that, contract status or you know, Ryback being gone. Uh, but to have a general outline of what you want to do, I just get a sense that they're they're. They're artific—they're going to the artificial next reset of some, you know, first with the draft, and it was battleground. Now it's SummerSlam, and they're just trying to get there, and then and then maybe we'll hit a reset, and then maybe we'll be able to figure out what we really want to do on a week-to-week basis. You know, I mean, like the house shows—they haven't even reset the house shows. The house shows are still mixed brand. You know, I mean, you know, they've gone three or four tours now, and and they're still mixed brand tours. So, you know, you get to SummerSlam, then we reset, and then we go to the brand split house shows. So, you know, I just get a sense that right now they're still in limbo. You know, they're still trying to get to the next artificial stop and then figure out what they want to do. Oh, I think that's, I think that's the, the, the macro of this. So they need, they need time off to take that time to develop where they want to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brian, <laughs> you mentioned, it's an interesting point, DJ. Brian, you know, obviously, classic babyface to the general audience. They're trying to, again, artificially create this raw SmackDown brand split. So, you know, technically, Brian's the heel from SmackDown coming in to take digs at the Raw GM. But, you know, nobody cares about that stuff. There's no real battle between Raw and SmackDown. The audience that bought a ticket to Raw wasn't sitting there, because you know, they bought the tickets before the brand split. Uh, but it, let's say that they bought a ticket, you know, within the last week or two. And I don't think people are sitting there saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going to Raw to stick it to SmackDown. I'm going to buy a ticket to Raw because I'm a, I'm a loyalist to Raw and SmackDown can stick it. I mean, I don't think – I think maybe one person might have done that out of, you know, the however many people bought tickets in the last three weeks. I mean, it's just that reality. You know, WWE fans aren't going there to Raw for Raw, for raw loyalty. You know, so then you have Dana Bryan coming out there and taking digs at Raw and SmackDown. It's Dana Bryan being Dana Bryan. I mean, that that you know that 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 excited the crowd. You know, they didn't care about Raw loyalty and all this stuff. And again, it's just artificial stuff that you know doesn't have weight. And and I don't know if WWE's trying to develop that and create some sort of rivalry where you know the SmackDown GM is invading Raw. But it's Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's not going to get booed by a Raw crowd representing SmackDown. It's just not going to happen. It's not reality. You know, so, you know, maybe like 20 years ago of resetting um, the audience's perception of the television if they stuck with the brand split for, for, for 20 years. But, uh, you know, that's just, it's just not reality at this point. 
So yeah, you're right. You're, you're right, DJ. When, when Brian's out there digging Foley and he's taking digs at Raw and he's saying Cesaro should be he's underutilized, he should be on SmackDown. The general W audience is going to pop for that, and they're not going to have this raw loyalty of like, no, 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 you, 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 you've got to keep Cesaro and Raw. How, how could you take Raw Cesaro away from, from Raw to go to SmackDown? You know, fans watching the show aren't loyal to Raw. It's just not the reality of the situation. So, yeah, it is a bit of a mixed message when you look at it that level, DJ. So that, that's an interesting point. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, still very early in the brand split, and there's still a lot of holes in this thing, but. Um, you know, two weeks ago, they really masked them with a great show. Last week, they're kind of slipping, and this week, you know, just down the hill to TalkFest 2016. DJ, I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. Uh, let's go to our next caller, and uh, next up here on the livecast, Raw Postgame Show, 915, area code. Well, welcome to the show, 915. Please state your name. Where are you calling from? Hey, man, this is Chris from Maryland. Hey, Chris, what's your mind tonight? Okay, well, after that opening segment, I thought Raw was pretty terrible tonight. Um, <laughs> Seth, honestly, Seth delivered the most, one of the longest, most boring promos I ever heard from him. Uh, I thought that, oh, also, I, a quick question. Mm-hmm. Why was Daniel Bryan there? Well, yeah, like, that, what, what was the reason of him being there? Yeah, so that, that was confusing, too. My interpretation and, and the way they advertised it was, uh, you know, they were there, to, or he was there to discuss the Brock, the Brock Lesnar Randy Orton thing. Uh, you know, where, and, and that's how the promo started off. It started off with, well, gee, Brian, that's so nice of, uh, of Brock Lesnar, or which one, Brock's on Raw. So for Randy Orton to show up on Raw last week, and, you know, Brian's like, oh, well, you know, it was, uh, it was I guess, uh, Orton, SmackDown guy, he threw the first shot. I'm sorry for that. You know, so it's that, you know, that backhanded, you know, sort of passive-aggressive digs at each other stuff. And then it and then it turns into Cesaro and Rusev, you know. So by the end of the deal, you forgot why Brian was supposed to be on, on Raw to begin with, which was to resolve the, the, you know, kind of call a truce on Brock and Orton before SummerSlam. And that was my interpretation. But, yeah, you're right. By, by the end of it, you kind of forgot why Brian was even there to begin with. So, yeah, I, I thought that was sort of a... Oddly written promo exchange because it ended up with something that had nothing to do with why Brian was there. Uh, and, and Chris, yeah, I, th- I don't know what it was about Seth Rollins' promo too. I, I don't know if it was there had been so much other talking on the show, uh, or if maybe Seth is just better when he plays off of somebody. You know, you go back to last Monday, and I, I thought he had an excellent uh, promo exchange with with Finn Balor. Had some had some meat to it, and it was you know it was really good. And, and Rollins was really good in that role. Yeah, I, I just think I think Rollins is one of those guys who just plays better, plays off of people better than when he's out there solo. You know, he needs he needs someone to kind of talk opposite or with, uh, and I think that kind of brings out a better a better promo from Rollins. But you know, when he's out there kind of doing the solo stuff, I, I'm not quite sure that's the best role for him, especially because last week they had all the material. I mean, the last week, I mean, they, they kind of sold the match, and all the material was out there. And I don't think Rollins had much material to work with this week. It was. You know, it was all it was just it was all there last week. You know, <laughs> that was, it just wasn't much left to talk about. You know, it was, it was uh, uh, th- you know, th- there's that new Axe commercial uh campaign, um, where it, you know it, it's aired during Raw the last couple weeks where, uh, you know, the guy like talks too much. You know, it's like shut up, you know, just shut up, or the clone or whatever it is. And I, I forget the slogan, but th- I mean that could pretty much be applied to Raw tonight. It's like we got the point. Shut up. Move on. You know, I think that uh, that that ad spot can really apply to tonight's Raw. 
Uh, Chris, uh, I kind of cut you off there. What, what else is on your mind tonight? Um, well, actually, uh, I want to talk about that uh, the Star Wars segment with Musa. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but that that started at 10:59 p.m. <laughs> so one minute to go, uh, and at the end, so we have Cesaro beating Sheamus uh-huh. uh, twice, you know, to prove that he's worthy. He's a worthy uh, 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 contender for a championship match, right. and then at the very end. Uh, he loses all for what? So Roman can get a <laughs> sort of baby face pop? Not really, because people were still doing the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly, I'm, I, I'm, and and I think you brought it up earlier about where the heck was Sammy Zayn tonight? Why? To me, it, it would have been obvious for them to put Sammy Zayn versus Rusev for the United States title. Because at the very least, you will have people getting behind that baby face. Going against Rusev. Yeah, that would have been a great pick. Uh, is Zayn as the underdog against Rusev? And yeah, I mean Zayn has just disappeared since winning the feud with Owens. You know, it's you know Owens is in a program with Jericho opposite Enzo and Cass, and meanwhile Zayn's off. Uh, you know, not even mentioned at all tonight on Raw, and he won the feud against Owens at Battleground. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I think that would have been a really great spot for Zayn to interrupt Rusev. And a challenge for the U.S. title and have that kind of be on the spot. And then maybe Cesaro gets a title match next week. Uh, and and then that's where Sheamus, you know, you know, pops up again and interferes. But, yeah, I mean, there, there was, yeah, that, that was just such an odd ending to the show. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think they could have had Zayn in that spot. I think it would have been a real good spot for Zayn. I don't know why he wasn't uh, on Raw tonight. You know, I haven't seen Superstars results. We haven't got a report from the building yet. Um, so I don't know if it was on Superstars beforehand, but yeah, I think he should have been in that spot. At least had some spot. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, the Reigns thing, you know, somehow, some way, they find a way to swing him back to Reigns into the, the show. You know, it's uh, I guess it wouldn't be raw without that at some point. Um, but uh, I mean, what what a, what a great guy! You know, he waits and he waits until after Sheamus interferes three times in the main event, and then he shows up at the very end to spear uh, Rusev after Rusev's won. What a what a swell individual that Roman Reigns guy is, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I I thought this was uh, a really strange end of the show, as you pointed out, Chris. And and they could have had they could have had Zayn they could have had Zayn this week, and then had uh, and then had Sheamus. I'm sorry, Cesaro next week, leading to Rusev and Reigns at at SummerSlam. I would have done it that way, but you know maybe they have a they have a different idea for next Monday's Raw. Chris, appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you. And uh, next up here on the live cast is out of the 630 area code. Welcome to show 630. Please state your name. Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Adrian from Aurora. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Adrian. What's your mind tonight? Uh, two things. Um, i got a question for you. What has a better chance of happening within the next six months? The draft that's already taken place and the two shows actually being successful and producing new stars. Mm-hmm. Or things actually go back the way that they were before. <laughs> and then my next question mm. is with Sasha Banks. Okay. Now, I'm not sure if they're still doing drug testing or not, but why would you want to put another person in the match just so you can, quote, unquote, watch what they're going to do? <laughs> why not just have them completely barred from the ring altogether? I could see Charlotte wanting to do that mm-hmm. to make the odds more in her favor. But why would she want to go to the babyface GM and request that 
when really there's, she's no real threat. And that's pretty much all I've got, but just those two things. Yeah, some of the, some of the logic was really off tonight. That, that was that was one of those where it felt backwards too. I, I think they and they didn't really convey this, but I think they, what they were trying to get across was Sasha was so angered about. Uh, la- I think was it last week? Then she lose a tag match, something like that last week. Uh, or you know maybe she, she lost something. You know there was something she lost last week. It's sort of a blur last week. Uh, but you know Sasha lost, and you know they should have had you know, of all the video. I mean they had like a thousand videos tonight. They should have had a video on this one uh, of showing you know Sasha lost to you know Team Charlotte in some form last week, and and you know Sasha was so um, uh, blinded by rage. And, and you know, in like you know, justified babyface rage, um, that she just you know she didn't care if it was a handicap situation. She wanted both Charlotte and Dana in the ring at the same time at SummerSlam. She could be both at the same time. And then it turned into a Foley's like, well, da, 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 da. how about if how about we don't do that? <laughs> or actually, no, we'll do that if you lose a match. <laughs> But if you win your match, then you don't have to face Dana, and you just face Charlotte, and Dana's banned from ringside. You know, which 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 doesn't do anything because Dana could still interfere because, as we saw in the main event, Mick Foley books a U.S. title match, and there's no barrier to entry. Sheamus just shows up and interferes three times in the main event, so no one is enforcing rules. No one's enforcing, you know, let's not have outside interference. You know, what's to say that Dana doesn't just show up and, uh, you know, just interfere in the title match at SummerSlam. They, are, they just showed tonight in the main event that Mick Foley really doesn't have any control of the show. So, you know, uh, what's Dana Brooke? You know, is she going to be fired? You know, is she going to be sent banished to SmackDown if uh, if she interferes in the match? I mean, you know, they, they've got to take that to the next level of, of, of eliminating the heels from the equation. But, you know, what's going to happen is they're going to have another heel interfere. You know, they'll have Ric Flair show up and, and uh, try to reconcile with his daughter and, and help her win the title back or something like that. And, you know, oh, hey, I mean, McFoley got one-upped again, you know, as the incompetent Raw GM. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm curious what, they actually, what the actual payoff to this is at SummerSlam. But, uh, yeah, the logic to set that up, you know, and then, you know, then Sasha beats Dana and Dana's supposedly banned from ringside. But, I mean, who's to say she can't interfere and go against McFoley's orders to begin with? So we'll see about that. Uh yeah, a lot of weird logic tonight. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT 8 Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As far as uh, will they have a, a really strong brand split? Or will they be back in time to where they were pre-draft in six months? I, I think that they'll still be in the draft mode, uh, you know, the brand split mode. I, I don't think they'll abandon this in the first six months or the first year. I think they're gonna they're gonna keep going with this. I think the the, the bigger question is will they will they still be emphasizing uh, the authority figures, you know, six months from now? Will the authority figures, Stephanie, Shane, Brian, Foley, and maybe by then Triple H and Vince? Uh, you know, all the six authority figures that are available for TV, will they still be the focal point? Or will WWE eventually finally get it back to about the wrestlers having matches and the consequences for, for said matches? You know, I, 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 you know, I, I would say that they, they might still be stuck on the authority figures since six months from now. I, I just don't get a sense that WWE and USA Network are confident in the rosters right now. I, I don't think they're confident in the stars that are available to them. I don't think they see a lot of big stars like a Stone Cold, like a Rock, like an Undertaker. Um, you know, guys like that from, you know, Hulk Hogan from past eras. I I, I just, I, I don't think the W and USA Network see a lot of those guys on this roster. And therefore, I think there's a sense of overcompensation having the authority figures sort of guide the ship. It's not the wrestlers. You know, it's not Stone Cold in eight segments. They don't have a Stone Cold in eight segments guy. You know, if they put Roman Reigns in eight segments, the show would fall apart. You know, if they, if they put anybody in eight segments, the show would fall apart. They just don't have a Stone Cold. They don't have a Rock. And I think that's why they overcompensate with the authority figures the problem is, the more you do that, the more you make the, the wrestlers feel even less and less and less like big stars. I mean, it's like the video package of Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton tonight. There was there was a kernel of truth, you know, and uh, Brock Lesnar said, hey, I'm a mega superstar, and, and, and Randy Orton is just a star. I mean, you can say that for, in the Ad era, you had mega superstars, you had The Rock, you had Stone Cold. And then this era, you kind of just have stars. You know, John Cena 
is just a star. I mean, I honestly. Otherwise, if he showed up on a mainstream TV show, the the, the ratings would pop. If, if uh, you know when he hosted that Fox show over, over the spring, that would have drawn a huge audience. It it flopped. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know, the the ESPYS down. You know, obviously last year was a little bit different than this year, but. Uh, you know, he he's not he's not these guys aren't difference makers outside of the WWE bubble. John Cena is not a difference maker outside the WWE bubble. The WWE bubble is is a lot smaller than the Attitude Era, and you try to bring somebody out of that into the mainstream, which is so fragmented, with you know broadcast and cable and Hulu and Amazon and Twitter and 800,000 social media outlets. I mean, it is so you know newspapers are. You know, radio, I mean, like, where do you find people? How do you get the message across? And, and and how do you reach people in such a fragmented media market environment? You know, when you have a smaller bubble and you have a larger audience you're trying to reach, but you don't know how to reach them to get them to do something, uh, you're, you're in trouble. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how the John Cena's... Um, uh, well, well, American Grid. I, I don't know how that show got renewed because the ratings were awful for season one, but it got renewed, and and I don't unless they add somebody to the mix. I mean, you got to add another star. John Cena by himself hosting a non-wrestling competition show that feels like a derivative of other competition shows ain't gonna draw an audience on Fox. Um, even even if WWE promoted it, the WWE audience is not going to watch that. Because it's not a wrestling show. And then mainstream people are going to watch it because either they don't know who John Cena is or they don't take him seriously. You know? If he's in a cameo, if he's in a supporting role, yeah, they, they, you know, like Trainwreck or Sisters last year, yeah, he got a pop from that. But if you put him out there solo by himself and mainstream, no. It's not, the bubble's too small. You know, you're drawing from a small wrestling bubble right now. And WWE can tell all the social media they want, all that stuff. Doesn't matter. It doesn't translate to mainstream outside of the WWE social media bubble. Doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, when, when Brock talked about, you know, hey, I'm a mega superstar. Uh, and Orange a star. Yeah, I mean, that, man. I, mean, I don't know how that got on WWE TV because that's too true. <laughs> I mean, that's. That's really too true, because Orton, you know, Orton's just a star. He's not mainstream, you know. Um, he's in the, he's at the top of the wrestling bubble, you know. John Cena at the top of the wrestling bubble. He he's able to get opportunities like hosting a a Fox show, but ain't gonna draw an audience. It's not gonna reality. So, how, you know, and, and that that trickles down to the main W roster right now. Um, you've got a lot of guys who aren't really superstars. They're stars. And superstars. Well, that's WWE's own damage too. Overexposing talent, three-hour raws, um, 50-50 booking. Uh, I think it's also sort of a a, a generational thing too. They, they, you know, um, there there isn't uh, you know there aren't uh, there aren't the Rocks and Austins that are just floating out there. You know, you just don't have those guys out there in anywhere in today's wrestling. The bar is a little bit lower, and you know, will it come back? I don't know. You know, kind of continue our macro discussion. You know, can you get can you get that back to where you have superstars like a Brock, like Austin, like Rock? I don't know. You know, uh, that you know maybe that person's out there not actually in wrestling right now. Maybe it's somebody else. You know, maybe it's Rob Gronkowski when he comes to WWE. 
when he retires from the NFL. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you, you, maybe you have to bring it from the outside. So, uh, Adrian, appreciate the call. Good topic. Thanks for calling in. Uh, let's go to our next caller here on the Raw Post Game Show. Next up, 314 Erie Code. Welcome to show 314. Please state your name. Where are you calling from? Hey, James. This is Damien. How are you doing? Hey, doing good, Damien. What's your mind tonight? Uh, well, according to what you've been talking about, it seems like I haven't really missed Raw much. And <laughs> it's just one of those shows that just seem like, okay, we're pretty much back to the way things were before the pre-draft. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, 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 I heard DJ's call earlier. Uh, I don't really think that Vince is that crazy to want to just have a wrestling full of talking and stuff like that. You know, I don't know if it's perhaps because, you know, USA is an NBC Universal Network and they perhaps trying to do NBC a favor and say, hey, watch the Olympics instead of, <laughs> instead of Raw. But it's like, I don't know. It's, I don't, but, okay, the Orton versus Lesnar thing, mm-hmm. I mean, they have some good video packages. I saw some clips on YouTube, you know, about how they put this stuff together and I'm not really excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so you had Randy Orton, RKO, Lesnar on Raw. Then you had Orton, um, Lesnar, return to favor by F5 and Orton on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what? You know, I just really feel like that WWE has not really done too much to really get me hyped for this match. And furthermore, knowing the history between these two, okay, yes, they came from, both came from OVW along with John Cena and Batista. They both uh, are youngest ever world champions. And But, yes, guess what? They both have shady histories. Mm-hmm. Of course, we already know about um, Orton with his uh, history with the wellness policy, as well as Brock Lesnar, of course, with what he's going through, USADA, the whole UFC debacle. Mm-hmm. So when you really cop, when you really put all that together, it doesn't really make for a much exciting match because a lot of both guys just seem like, like douches. I'm sorry to say, yeah. but I mean, I want to hear what you think about that. I got another one after that too. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. There really isn't a clear baby face in this matchup. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of a pick 'em. You know, which guy do you want to cheer for or boo? And I don't know if that's really eliciting a very strong reaction either way. I, I mean, I think that they presented Orton more like the face in this. You know, he he was kind of playing, uh, you know, a little bit of the, you know, he's playing the underdog and and he was like, oh, you know, I think Brock's underestimating me and stuff like that, but. It's Randy Orton, you know. Like when is he? When has he played a a good old fashioned babyface successfully in his career? You know what I mean? And, and, you know, Brock's kind of playing the outsider. He's kind of playing a bit of a prick who's you know coming in from you know UFC and he's kind of looking down. He he's playing the Conor McGregor. He's looking down the WWE, WWE roster and, and you know he's kind of playing Conor. You know the whole thing on uh, over the weekend of Conor calling out the, the locker room and. Stuff like that. I mean, I guess in that respect, you know, Brock's the heel and Orton's the face, but I just, uh, I, I don't get a sense of eliciting a very strong reaction from the audience as far as who they want to cheer. And, and Orton, Orton to me is, is just such a watered-down character. I think the the last straw for him in the eyes of the audience was that that heel run as WWE champion playing the lapdog for Triple H and the, the surrogate and, 
you know, the, the authority deal against Dana Bryan, you know, three years ago or so, uh, which is funny. Now, now Bryan's endorsing Orton. You know, you go back in time three years ago, they had a bitter feud after, you know, uh, the authority cost Bryan the title at SummerSlam. Has it been four years or three years? Three or four years now. And kind of initiated all that. Now Brian's extolling the virtues of Orton on now that uh, they're both on SmackDown. So it's sort of a weird deal here. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, Orton, Orton's, uh, you know, he's Orton's Orton, man. He's just, uh, he's, he's Randy Orton. You know, he's got the RKO and, and, and that's pretty cool. Um, but he, he doesn't, uh, Brock said it, he doesn't have that superstar quality. He's just a star. And so I think that's kind of impacting things. Plus there is that, there's that cloud kind of hanging over Brock Lesnar from UFC, and uh, and uh, also that you know the Brock from WWE hasn't really been that strong since uh, you know he, he won uh, he won the WrestleMania match against Dean Ambrose. That match was kind of positioned down the card. Uh, you know that was the last time people saw him. You know before that he he lost a lot of his ratings draw. Um, he he lost a lot of his specialness in a WWE setting. You know, and I think I don't think that's really gone away. I think that's kind of stuck. And so you got Orton who has the stench of the authority. You got Brock who has the stench of sort of being in the middling uh, WrestleMania level kind of feud when Dean Ambrose was just a utility player. And I, I don't think this has really really grabbed people. And you know, last Monday's Raw, the the rating went down, uh, not much. You know, I mean, I expected it to go down because you know, week two after the week one excitement, it just wasn't going to hold up. But you know, Brock didn't. You know, Brock's uh, big return wasn't enough of a hook to get the number to go go up. So, I just, I just doesn't feel very special, and I don't think there's anything they can really do to make it feel more special. I think it kind of peaked last week with you know a really good ending to Raw, where Orton hit the RKO out of nowhere. It was a big moment, uh, and then I think they did it. You know, then they did the stuff the next time on Raw where Brock got the you know got the receipt. Got the receipt in by uh, F5ing Orton on SmackDown. So uh, I think that was kind of the peak of this thing. And, and, you know, next week Brock's back on Raw. It, it just doesn't feel very special anymore, you know. Um, the, the specialness is worn off for Brock in, in a WWE setting. And then Orton's Orton. So, I, I you know, I'm still really curious what actually goes on last. You know, uh, they, they, they made it seem like Orton and Brock will go on last and based on tonight. But, um, you know, Bauer and Rollins got our You know, we put up the poll on our PW Torch website and on Twitter, uh, which match should go on last at uh, SummerSlam. And Bauer-Rollins was the, the runaway vote in, on both polls. And I think uh, Brock and Lesser, or Brock and Orton got second, kind of a distant second, though. And fall very closely by uh, Ambrose and Ziggler for the, the actual WWE title. So I, I don't know which match goes on last. I think Brock Orton. You know, I mean, they, they'd have to do a really, they'd have to do a really special match for that match to go on last and hold the audience's attention at the five-hour mark. You know, with, with a pre-show starting an hour earlier. So I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know if they can make that match feel special. So we'll see. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Rich Fan, host of The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch daily cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat Ernie Ladd? We gotcha. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Damien, I appreciate the call. Uh, thanks for calling in. Let's go to our next caller, 813, area code. You're up next. 813, please state your name. Where are you calling from? Hey, Jay from Tampa. How you doing? Hey, doing good, Jay. Good to talk to you. What's your mind tonight? Yeah, a few things real quick. Uh, Raw seemed to be per- just a hot mess tonight. It was a- some weird booking and a lot of talking. A lot of trading wins I noticed tonight, too. Mm-hmm. Not just Cesaro and Sheamus, but... Titus and Darren and stuff like that. It's just weird. It's like a, the weird thing is like there's no Stephanie McMahon tonight. Seems like we could have done more, but instead, I would say Steph should give Mick uh, a D grade <laughs> as far as uh, him running the show tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, just a um, one thing I thought about on the pre-show. Uh, Jared King mentioned about uh, they showed a little clip about the cruiserweights coming to Raw soon. The first thing he commented about it was, you know, he jokes a lot, but still, it, it could be reality. He was like, he can't wait to see him come to Raw so Big Show can smash him. Mm-hmm. And I can almost unfortunately see uh, Vince just giggling at, 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 at that, just messing it up. But... Um, and then he had the, the guest host. I mean, for all what one back back 
seen clips. Mm-hmm. I almost thought I missed something or, or something. But I also noticed that um, well, we were talking a few moments ago about when they were showing these clips between Brock and Orton and they show some of the history of OVW. Mm-hmm. It seems like those OVW, that group of guys have been the primary source for for WWE in the last 10 years. You've seen the Brock, Orton, seen, uh, Batista, with the exception of Shelton. Mm-hmm. Even those other guys, I don't even, I can't even picture them doing anything outside of WWE. And the ones that have, like a, a Brock or Batista, it's like they take off but I wouldn't see them go wrestle anywhere else. I don't think Cena would go wrestle anywhere else if his WWE was over mm-hmm. five years ago. Um, I think Shelton probably wouldn't had he had not got cut as early on as he was. But my question to you tonight is, between OVW group of guys that last came out of there and Shield slash NXT, all, of, all three of that stuff seemed to be primarily WWE or Vince manufacturer, even if they spent like a tiny bit of time in the uh, Indies, mm-hmm. uh, they still came through either OVW or uh, NXT, like the Shield members. Now, all those guys from OVW was on top for the last five, 10, 15 years, and then now it's just the Shield. On both shows, it's either a Shield member, a champion over here, or another Shield member is fighting for a champion over there. Do you feel like Vince is like if they're not, if he doesn't feel like they're manufactured through his system, that it's a no go? Like, you know, because nobody else is is there right now. Even um, it, it, nobody that I can think of. Yeah, I I think that. Uh... You know that was kind of the mentality back when you know when they won the Monday Night Wars, they beat WCWs, then they wanted to have kind of control over the you know that you know that was the last territory, and, and so they wanted to have control over the feeder system that replenished the roster, and so you had OVW, you had Deep South for a little while, uh, and then you know then you created you know they created FCW, which turned into NXT down in Florida, uh, and. You know, and, and they were also they were also against for the longest time. They were against the idea of signing guys from like TNA, who had never had anything WWE related. You know, like Bobby Roode, you know, never had any uh, connection to WWE and any training facility concept. You know, uh, and you know they were always resistant to sign guys who had not gone through their system. Um, and uh, now things have changed. Where you know they have signed a Bobby Roode, they have featured an Eric Young, they have signed an Austin Aries, you know, and, and they've you know James Storm came through for a second. And I think that there's been a, a shift in the recruiting process. You know, they went out and got a Shinsuke Nakamura from New Japan, who had no WWE training experience. Uh, you know, Finn Balor, um, you know, guys like that. So, but you're right, they've put him through the system though. Uh, AJ Styles is really you know, one of the only examples of somebody who, uh, and I guess Carl Anderson, who went straight from a non-WWE sort of system with with zero WWE history um, to the main WWE television. You know, AJ Styles and Carl Anderson this year. Uh, you know, Doc Gallows had already been on TV as, as you know, uh, Luke Gallows and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
it's uh, for the longest time it was you had to go through the system, whether you know, whether it was OVW, whether it was WWE, you know whatever system it was. You know here and there, you know they signed you know they signed some guys in the mid 2000s, you know like a Carlito and I think Carlito probably went straight from Puerto Rico to to main WWE TV if I have that right. But um, yeah, so there's exceptions here and there, but for the most part, yeah, since 2001 it's been you go through the system. And it's McMahon's way of, you know, making it, you know, it, it's a, it's a baseball mentality of, you know, you start off in triple A and, or, you know, double A or single A, you work your way up, you, you understand how the, the organization works, you understand the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts, the, this is how we do things so that when you get called up to the, to the major leagues and you make your major league debut, you're not having to be told what to do and, you know, you're expected to know what to do and the manager doesn't have to babysit. Uh, and, and that's kind of their mentality. I think the problem in, in the wrestling context is it takes away some of the individuality. You know, um, yeah, you want to make sure they have locker room etiquette and they know how to, you know, carry themselves in the locker room and and fit in with other with other wrestlers and you know not stand out and not rock the boat and you know all that kind of stuff. But um, I think as far as in ring and presentation goes, it does have the potential to strip away individuality. And make the guys and girls feel a little bit too, you know, you know, just all similar. And I think that's changed a little bit with the, the rise of NXT. You know, guys and girls don't feel as cookie cutter as they were back when it was just, you know, the FCW, OVW stuff. Um, you know, and it was just, you know, make this person just like how we want them to look. You know, I, th- I think Roman, you know, Roman Reigns is an example of a, of a sort of a pre-NXT rise cookie cutter. You know, it was, you know, put them in the machine, spit them out, put them on the main TV, and, and uh, you know, that's the guy that we've chosen. Well, you know, he's robotic, he's stiff, he doesn't really have his own personality, he's been told what to say and when to say it, um, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, you know, he was pre-NXT Rise. I mean, he was he was part of that really dark days of FCW NXT where they're just out in a warehouse in Tampa. You know, just a really bad era. <laughs> of uh, NXT and you know he kind of came in he, he he came to the main roster right after uh or I guess right before NXT really took off you know um he was you know he he never really had a big run in NXT and uh you know he, he never really had that big moment in NXT TV so he was kind of part of that step one you know before the thing really took off so you know, I, I think it'll be interesting like five years from now if NXT becomes a really big deal, you know, and the guys and girls get a little bit more time to have, you know, big setting matches. You know, like a Brooklyn last year where all those guys and girls are working in front of a sold-out crowd in Brooklyn the night before SummerSlam. You know, no no other independent promotion can, can tout that. And that's basically what they got was an indie crowd, you know, all in one giant building. <laughs> For uh, basically an, a glorified independent wrestling show with the the WWE production value, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see a couple years from now if it's a little bit better as far as you know when when people get called up and, and they don't feel as cookie cutter as maybe a previous uh, era of guys headlined by Roman Reigns feel, feels like. Uh, Jane, I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to our last caller and then we'll wrap up with some emails. Uh, last call of the show, 310 area code. Welcome to show 310. Please state your name where you're calling from. Hi, this is Josh, and I'm from Los Angeles, California. How you doing? Hey, Josh. I feel like there were some Dodgers fans uh, at uh, the Angels the Angels show tonight, you know, with uh, the 
the Mike Trout reference. I, I thought I heard some Dodgers fans booing. So I don't, I don't know. Was that? Did you catch that at all in that opening segment? I did, and yes, there is. There will always be Dodgers fans because you know, with Anaheim believing that they are the Los Angeles Angels <laughs> of Anaheim as the little mark, you know, uh, you know, we'll, there's always Dodgers fans around. And, and let's be honest, when there's ever a show at the Honda Center, you'll bet you, bet everybody that there will be a plenty of Los Angeles natives <laughs> at the Honda Center. So, um, yeah, I got that part too. I was doing along with them at, at my own house, so, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think that W. Roy realized, uh, you know, you would think, hey, we're in Anaheim, a Mike Trout reference, that should go over pretty well. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, having lived in SoCal, you know, back in the day, I mean, I, I, you know, when I went to Raw or SmackDown or pay-per-views in Anaheim, I mean, it was, I mean, you, you'd see, you see Dodgers jerseys or Kings jerseys, and yeah, so yeah, Josh, you're right. I mean, when, when uh, I think, I think Enzo was a little bit taken up, <laughs> thrown off by the mixed reaction for the easy Mike Trout reference, but. Um, it was a reminder to me that, yeah, and my buddy Matt, you know, who lives in, in Orange, I think he's in Orange, Orange, California, big Angels fan, uh, you know, shout out to Matt, uh, I'm sure he was bummed out when, when he heard the mixed reaction for his boy Trout, but, uh, I, I had major flashbacks to that when, when I heard that. Uh, Josh, what's on your mind tonight? You know, uh, several things, um, one, I guess the first question I wanted to ask was, I, I want to believe in Cesaro. I really do. I, everyone that's, you know, that talks about him in the Indies and everything says he's phenomenal. And I, I, I see it in a few times. I see flashes of brilliance. That's my first question is, do you believe that Cesaro has an extended move set? Cause I, I'm, I'm getting desensitized by his uppercut, which is not really an uppercut. I mean, I want, I went to watch Olympic boxing earlier today and I've seen uppercuts. Like that, that's not, a, that's not a uppercut, but it is his uppercut for wrestling. You don't want to kill anyone. Mm-hmm. You got to keep them around 365 days a year. Right. I, I, I just, I haven't seen it with that. And I think that's the one thing about him because he's a wrestler yet. He doesn't have a big move set, a long move set, but I believe he, I believe he's just waiting to unleash it. I don't, I don't know. Do you believe that he has something up his sleeve still, even after all these years being in the main roster? I think so. I think he, I think he's really well polished, and, and he's you know maybe he's, he's saving some of it, or he just hasn't used a lot of it in a long time. That um, he wants to, you know, I think a lot of it the mentality for W wrestlers, and this just kind of goes back to, you know, the the training and working with the agents and what creative comes up with is, you know, they want you to to display your best stuff. You know, this is the, the Roman Reigns thing. You know, Roman Reigns, you know, has displayed maybe four or five, six moves on TV. And, you know, John Cena, he kind of gets knocked for, you know, the five moves of doom from back in the day. And I guess he still kind of does it. Uh, but, you know, the mentality is, you know, don't don't show everything you have. Save some stuff. Show your show, Do the best with what you're best at. You know, main te- you know, there's a television, broad audience, three million, four million people watching, whatever. Um, they want you to display the best that you do, and uh, and I think that Cesaro, the best they does is the uppercuts, which you know it's a little bit embellished. It's not a, you know like you said, not a it's not a European, it's not a William Regal like you know just boom, just knock you straight back uppercut. And it's a little bit light, it's a little bit more showbiz with the the uppercut train. He he's got he's got a wide variety of moves, but I think it's just that idea of. You know, do more with less. Don't show all that you can do. Do you know? Do the best stuff that you're best at, and, and we'll accentuate. We'll accentuate that. And, and 
Uh, it's also the let's not be an independent match, an independent wrestling show where, you know, like I get I got to get all my stuff in, you know, where, uh, you know, you got a ten minute match and you're doing eight hundred high spots, you know, that kind of. The WWE kind of goes the opposite a lot of times, and so they don't, you know, they don't want to have guys just get all their stuff in, you know. Uh, Neville's big thing is the, you know, the Red Arrow, uh, and he had what maybe he had a Red Arrow and he had an over the top rope splash and maybe a, you know, kick strike tonight uh, in the tag match. I mean, I, I've seen Neville in, in PWG and other independents where he's got a ridiculous arsenal of offense. Um, but in WWE, you know, they want you to tone it down. They, they want you to bring it down a notch or two or three and just, you know, just do what you're best at and we'll accentuate that and that'll be kind of your move set. Now, you know, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, you know, they've come to the main roster with a whole arsenal of offense. You know, I mean, they, they're, you know, they're bringing all kinds of offense. But, I mean, you figure over time, that's going to get toned down too. I mean, Kevin Owens didn't even wrestle tonight. You know, uh, Sami Zayn wasn't even on the show tonight. So, I, I think WWE is sort of toning them down, toning them down for them, in, in a way, is to keep them either whether it's special or injury free, or you know, uh, you know, special, I guess. But uh, I, I think so, you know, kind of go back to your question, Josh. I, I think Cesaro's got it all. It's just that they haven't unleashed him to have it all on display, and I think he will show it all if he ever gets in a big main event match. You know, for a top title in the main event of a, uh, he was in the main event of Raw tonight. But you know, for a big title, you know, that's actually built up. You know, a big title match built up. It's on or on Raw on pay per view, uh, whatever it is. If that day ever comes for Cesaro, I think we'll see the full arsenal because that'll be the time to do it. And I think I think he's kind of hedging, and I think WWE wants him to hedge uh, until the right timing. And then I mean, my gosh, he's got so much offense, but. You know, it just comes down to the timing. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I launched the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter as a teenager in high school in the late 80s, and I've been covering professional wrestling ever since. It's been my full-time job since the day I graduated college. And I've followed every technology along the way and tried to be on the cutting edge, and one of them has been podcasting. We were doing podcasts before the word podcast was a word. They were just called audio shows for our subscribers. And a cool feature that we introduced last year are flashback Saturday night editions of the Wade Keller Hotline, where every Saturday night we post Wade Keller Hotlines all in one file, a week's worth of shows from 10 and 15 years ago. That means uh, you can listen to what I was saying about the news, about Raw, about SmackDown, about TNA, 
about WrestleMania hype, WrestleMania fallout, controversies, firings, matches that almost happened, and why they didn't happen. Every weekend on Saturday night from 10 and 15 years ago. For instance, the April 6, 2006 Wade Keller Hotline had a ton of insider news on the Hulk Hogan-Steve Austin dynamic at the WWE Hall of Fame and the prospects of a Hogan versus Austin match and how close it came to happening at WrestleMania 22, what stood in its way, and what the prospects were of it happening in the future, why Steve Austin said what he said about Hulk Hogan at the Hall of Fame during his Bret Hart intro, and what the backstage interaction was between the two of them. That's just one example of some of the fascinating reporting that was going on, likely before you were listening to some of my free podcasts here. So uh, go VIP. It's one of many, many cool benefits that come with a VIP membership. Get details at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Josh, any other uh, question or comment? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I, I just I'm just looking forward to it. I guess maybe the, I was just looking for more of a pop from a raw, maybe just maybe one or two more moves, or mm-hmm. or just maybe a little less of the uppercuts. But I, I definitely understand that, especially especially with the health of the wrestler, you want a longevity of it, and you do not want them doing pulling off crazy routines on a Monday Night Raw show. Right. So I, I do I do understand that. Um, I, I guess, and then after all this, you know, with all the promos and everything like that that's going on, and, and not really knowing what could be the last match. And my thought this, you know, I looked at every match down the line and I couldn't believe that I was more the most hyped about SummerSlam. It's really the, the rematch for the women's title match. Mm. In your opinion of, of watching wrestling or of, of going, you know, your expertise in, in the wrestling business, mm-hmm. do you believe that there can be a possibility that the women's match can go last at SummerSlam or even after that, after the future, if it doesn't go last at this particular SummerSlam? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a possibility for, you know, when they have the the Raw, SmackDown, sort of the the separated brand pay-per-views. I I definitely think that there will be a women's title match or if they have a women's title on SmackDown. Uh, I I don't know if it will be this year, maybe next year. I I definitely think that they'll have a women's title match main event in one of these pay-per-view specials. Um, You know, you, you could do a... It, it, you know, whenever Bailey gets called up and whatever brand she ends up on, if they create a really special match of Bailey against somebody, or or if they have the NXT Women's Champion against the WWE Women's Champion, you know, if you had a Asuka versus uh, Charlotte, if she won back the title, or Asuka versus Sasha, um, you know, obviously they'd have to hype, you know, hey, the NXT Women's Champion's legit, um, it, you know, without calling her up and having her drop the title and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, if you had women's title versus NXT women's title, I mean, that's, you know, depending on who the champions are at the time of that happening, that would be a pretty big deal. But if it was just main roster people, um, yeah, I, I think if, if down the road you had a Charlotte versus Bailey or a Sasha versus Bailey, um, you know, it, it would have to be somebody kind of from this era of, uh, of the women's game um, who's got that, that underground following and, and all that kind of stuff that's kind of, you know, pushed forward to the main roster and all that kind of stuff. When I, I you know, like you said, SummerSlam is interesting because none of the, none of the big four matches of uh, Ziggler and Ambrose, Brock and Orton, Bauer and Rollins, Cena, Styles, I guess you're throwing Rusev and Reigns, you know, as a big five match. None of them have that, wow, super definitely main event feel to it. 
you know, uh, the WWE title match is uh, Ambrose and a guy who's they're having to rebuild on the fly in Ziggler. Uh, Balor hasn't wrestled on pay-per-view yet, and this is for a brand-new title against Rollins, so there's no history. Um, Brock and Orton, as we talked about, feels kind of cold. Cena Styles uh, has been tucked away on SmackDown in the infancy of the brand split, and, uh, they, you know, they've already wrestled a couple of times. And if, if, if Cena Styles, if this is the very first matchup between them, I think that could be the main event of SummerSlam, but it's not the very first matchup. And they have wrestled each other a couple of times since since uh, or before SummerSlam. So, yeah, I mean, Charlotte, Sasha, one-on-one for the women's title. That's about as close as you can get to that being the main event of SummerSlam. Um, I, I think if this was like a, if this was a, you know, uh, if you had the exact same lineup and it was payback, I, I think there would be a possibility for that women's title match to be the main event. Uh, but I think with how much money they're investing in Brock Lesnar's return and this new title belt for the Raw brand, uh, I, I just think that either the, the Brock-Orton match or the Balor-Rollins match has to go on last just because how much they've invested in those two matches. But, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Josh, you're, you're on a good point. I, I've certainly had that thought of, you know, is, is this is this a pay-per-view where they could actually main event with, with uh, the women's title match? It's pretty close. You know, it's pretty close. Uh, but I, I think that either the Universal title match or Brock Orton will, will end up going on last. Uh, but, you know, there could be a women's title match uh, in the main event either, you know, by the end of this year or sometime next year on on uh, one of these pay-per-views. So it's, it's definitely a possibility. We'll see. We'll see over time. Josh, appreciate the call and uh, good to talk to you. Uh, let me get a couple emails and then we'll wrap up uh, tonight's Raw post-game show. And I'm going to go talk. Well, I'm going to go listen to Dean Ambrose talk to uh, Stone Cold on the Stone Cold Podcast. We'll have that recap up later on tonight at pwtorch.com. Uh, email questions from uh, Kyland, uh, VIVM or Kyland on New Jersey. One, is Conor McGregor angling for a match at WrestleMania? I mean, he's certainly setting up to do some business. Um, you know, uh, any number of people, you know, lined up to fight him now from the you know, from the locker room. But, uh, you know, it, it really depends on how the whole... Uh, UFC WWE relationship kind of um, kind of grows over time, you know, especially with Brock fighting while under contract WWE. You know, will UFC reciprocate? Um, how does new ownership factor in all that kind of stuff? You know, would would the new owners of UFC would they want Conor McGregor to go risk injury doing you know the, the WWE stuff uh, in a match or in an angle or a fight or a pretend fight or? a Ronda Rousey scrap type situation like at WrestleMania two years ago. I I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how far this thing could go with, with Connor. So I'm not really sure yet. We need to we need to give this more time to see how it plays out. Will Hulk Hogan return to WWE next year? Boy, I don't know. Um, I, I think they've got to clear all the Gawker stuff. And, I mean, this thing has dragged on for four years, and... You know, the the report on Sunday was they might be at the settlement stage. You know, Gawker's going up for auction. Uh, there's still a whole other court case where uh, Hogan is, is uh, and maybe this is all part of the settlement package, but uh, Hogan, you know, he, he filed a second lawsuit a couple, you know, I guess three or four months ago, you know, related to who leaked the, uh, you know, the tapes with the racist comments. Um, who leaked, you know, did Gawker leak the tapes to the National Enquirer, which got him fired from WWE? Um, so that's a whole other separate lawsuit, and that has to be resolved, and all this kind of stuff. And 
I, I don't know. You know, uh, it's hard to say whether Hogan will be back to WWE next year. You know, when, when Gawker's cleared, you know, we'll, we'll kind of we'll take a look at that and, and revisit it, but I'm not sure. Uh, with WWE reintroducing the King in the Ring as a pay-per-view soon, what other classic pay-per-views will WWE bring back? <laughs> well, I mean, if they're going to go full out with this brand split thing of each one having a pay-per-view every month, I mean, you're looking at 20 plus pay-per-views a, a year. They got to bring back, um, they got to bring back some old, you know, some Great American Bashes, and you know, maybe those, some of those in your house names like Vengeance. And what are they bringing back in September? I've already forgotten. Backlash, that's the one. Yeah, Backlash. Yeah, so that's when they're bringing back September. So yeah, you know, you might have a Vengeance come back. I mean, you know, I, mean, I think at some point you, you got to tap in the, w, the WCW names. You know, bring back a War Games. Bring back a, you know, they're gonna bring back Clash of Champions for uh, for September. Instead of Night of Champions, you know, bring back Backlash. Uh, I mean, sorry, bring back Clash uh, uh, War Games or Fall Brawl. I love Fall Brawl. You know, that was uh, that was a just I love the I love the, uh, the the logo of the giant tank, you know, swinging into position to fire a shot. I love that Fall Brawl logo. You know, in the in the the moving version of it. So you know, I mean, you got you got Howling Havoc, you got Slamboree, you got Starcade. I mean. I mean, WWE had some great pay-per-view names. The pay-per-views themselves weren't always that good, uh, but they had some great pay-per-view names, uncensored, and um, you know, just some some good names that uh, you know just you know varied in degree of quality. But uh, WWE owns all that stuff, so tap into it, you know. Uh, a couple of the emails uh, Christian wrote in that uh, where was Sami Zayn? Sami Zayn made a Curtis Axel on Superstars. Well, there you go. Sami Zayn's been rolling against superstars. So, oh dear. Uh, Christian wrote, also another Christian, Chris from Maryland wrote in, who is Braun Strowman facing at SummerSlam? <laughs> uh, maybe they have a, maybe they have a jobber. You know, maybe he squashes somebody. You know what I mean? Just, you know, as sort of a buffer match in between some big matches. They have, you know, they have a, they have a glorified jobber come out there and Braun squashes him. You know, big stage of SummerSlam. Uh, Christian, uh, Chris Maryland also wrote Sasha Foley made zero sin setup. Agree. He liked Finn Balor's video. Agreed. And he thought the Enzo Moore was a bit sloppy in the opening segment. Yeah, I, I wasn't, uh, um, I, I wasn't quite sure, you know, uh, what, what, what was, uh, Enzo trying to call out Sasha to kind of join him again? Yeah, that was, it was sort of an awkward setup for, and I don't, I don't think the crowd really kind of followed along with that, uh, uh, once Enzo and Big Cass got going, they kind of seemed to be waiting to see where this was going, and they weren't really engaged all the way. So um, that was that was a bit odd too. Uh, James wrote in about the Dudleys and maybe a split. You know, the, the, after they lost to uh, Sin Cara and Neville, uh, the camera was focused on Bubba Ray looking upset at Devon. Yeah, I mean there was a you know there was a, a spot where Devon accidentally clotheslined Bubba before the finish. So that was sort of the the explanation for that, but. There was sort of a sense of maybe Bubba's gonna go, um, going to go ahead and break up the, the Dudleys with with uh, with Devon. I yeah, I mean I, I think that Bubba's better off as a singles. I think Bubba is a top heel with what he can do on the mic and how he can be a bully, bully Ray, to some baby faces. I mean Bubba Bubba bully Ray whatever against Sami Zayn. I'll, I'm all for it. I'm all for Bubba and Sami Zayn as a feud. You know I think I think that'd be a really good program for both guys and. Kind of tap into what Bubba was successful at in TNA, like James wrote about. So uh, I'd be in favor of the breakup. I just think the Dudleys, I think that, you know, this initial nostalgia run, I think it's up. 
and it's time to do something different. I'd be good with that. Um, Michael and George wrote kind of similar about uh, about the Dudleys, and um, why not why not have them kind of feud with somebody else as a tag team or do the single stuff? Uh, and it looks like uh, let me make sure we've got all the. Uh, and let me see uh, about Finn Balor. Uh, email from Andrew. If Finn Balor does indeed do the whole demon shtick at SummerSlam, and why wouldn't he? Then it surely means that he has to win that match and win the Universal Title, right? Do you think that is the case, or is there another way that they can have fan, have Finn um, paint up and uh, but lose? And if so, how will this be done in a way that doesn't take away some of the mystique of the Demon straight away? Great question, Andrew in in Wales. I I think it points him winning. I think that uh, before tonight, I would have said that Seth Rollins is going to win. I, I think now, I think Finn Balor is going to win this title at uh, at SummerSlam. Otherwise, like you said, why would you do the big build-up and then have him lose? Uh, I, I think that he's going to win. I, I think at this point he wins. It doesn't make any sense to have him do the big build-up and lose now. So I, I think tonight kind of sealed it for me. I'm changing my mind. I'm going with Finn winning uh, at SummerSlam, I think he'll be the first Universal Champion, and he'll get the big rocket strapped to him, and off they go with with uh, with Finn Bauer. So I'm all for it. Um, I would, you know, I just lean toward, hey, they're gonna have Seth Rollins win and have Finn have a big showing and the big, you know, SummerSlam debut and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think that they're off and running with Finn Bauer after SummerSlam. KC and the Raider wrote in about AJ and Cena on Raw tonight, and they were in a dark match in between segments on Raw TV. So yeah, I mean they they were advertised for. Uh, the taping, I thought maybe for a dark match main event, but I guess they were just in a in a bonus segment in between segments during the actual Raw broadcast. So, you know, I guess it's a way to kind of keep the crowd engaged so they don't, they don't fall asleep during the long commercial breaks on Raw. So, I guess that, that makes uh, that makes a little bit of sense to kind of uh, put the SmackDown guys in between segments during Raw commercial breaks and sort of timeouts. All right, that'll do it for me on tonight's uh, Raw postgame show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and uh, calling us up and emailing us here on uh, the Raw Postgame Show. Wade Keller and Bruce Mitchell on Tuesday Livecast at 1 o'clock Eastern right here at pwtorchlivecast.com. So tune in then for the Tuesday Livecast with Wade and Bruce at pwtorchlivecast.com. So on behalf of the PW Torch staff with kids on Bridges playing us out, this is Torch Assistant or James Caldwell signing off for the Livecast. don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show, and it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at PWTorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, PWTorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports.
Welcome, one and all, to the Pro Wrestling Torch Livecast post-Smackdown edition here on Tuesday, August 9th, 2016. I am your host, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks, also Smackdown recapper for going on 10 years at PWTorch.com. I recap Smackdown in real time each week. And uh, again, you can catch that uh, on PWTorch.com. Uh, we welcome you here to week three of the post-Smackdown livecast. We'll be taking your calls uh, for as long as we have ammunition for calls. Uh, you can call in and talk tonight's episode of Smackdown with me. 646-721-9828 is the number to dial Tonight's SmackDown, doing a little more hype for SummerSlam, which is less than two weeks away. Hype for Randy Orton versus Brock Lesnar. Of course, they have to do that without the presence of Brock Lesnar or Paul Heyman. Plus, of course, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship will be on the line at SummerSlam when Dean Ambrose, the lunatic fringe, takes on his latest challenge, Dolph Ziggler. And those two were in a tag match main event, teaming up with each other taking on Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan based off of not only what happened at the end of the show last week, but also what happened in the opening segment this week, where uh, Bray Wyatt came out and talked about what happened last week. In the end, uh, Dean Ambrose seemed ready to take on Wyatt and Rowan in a two-on-one situation And as he was kind of getting ready and thinking about doing so, Dolph Ziggler came out and showed Ambrose up a little bit by getting into the ring before him and being willing to go into a two-on-one situation with Wyatt and Rowan, sort of showing off a uh, a little Dean Ambrose in him, I guess you could say, where what he's doing may not make sense to the outsider, but uh, to him... Being at a numbers disadvantage is a way to prove himself, as Ziggler Ziggler said later on in the show. Uh, We also had American Alpha in a squash match get a victory in a segment that featured almost all the tag teams on the SmackDown roster. Somewhat conspicuous by their absence, the Usos, Tyler Breeze, and Fandango uh, also not involved, but uh, all the other teams, including the Hype Bros, Zack Ryder and Mojo Rawley brawling after the match. American Alpha getting the advantage there. Another tease for an Eva Marie match. This time she had a wardrobe malfunction that prevented her from taking on Becky Lynch. Lynch demanded a match anyway, and that brought out Alexa Bliss for her SmackDown debut, in which a distraction by Eva Marie led to Bliss defeating Becky Lynch. Eva teased that next week she'll have her first match. So we'll see how they get out of it next week. Randy Orton versus Alberto Del Rio was one of the two big matches on this show. Orton picking up the victory by disqualification when Del Rio introduced a chair into the match. RKO by Orton after the match further cemented the idea that Orton can hit that RKO out of nowhere on Brock Lesnar, despite how deadly Lesnar can be from bell to bell. We also had Heath Slater taking on Rhino. This is another match built up last week. If Slater won, he would earn a SmackDown contract. As of right now, he is the hottest free agent, uh, according to himself, in sports entertainment. And after this match, he's still a free agent because Rhino won. Brian and McMahon were ready to offer him a contract anyway because of the heart he showed 
Instead, Slater stormed into their office, angry about the loss, and vented going off on the SmackDown brand as well as those two in charge and stormed off before they could offer him a contract. So uh, who knows where the odyssey of Heath Slater will take him next. Carmella versus Natalia. Carmella getting the victory uh, with a submission, the code of silence. Um, It was a match in which Natalia dominated. Carmella got very little offense in and was able to still pick up the victory. Baron Corbin attacked Kalisto backstage in the locker room. Remember, those two were involved last week in the triple threat match that Apollo Crews ended up winning that made Crews the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. So Corbin not happy that he felt Kalisto cost him a shot at the Intercontinental title. And then we had the main event of Ziggler and Ambrose against uh, Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan. An errant superkick found Dean Ambrose in the opening segment. So after the babyfaces won in the main event as payback, Dean Ambrose delivered dirty deeds to Dolph Ziggler. And that was tonight's show. Once again, if you want to ring me up and talk SmackDown here tonight, 646-721-9828 is the number to do that. We've got a couple calls on hold, but if you call in now, we will certainly get to you uh, in a matter of moments. So let's get to the first call here. It is the 862 area code. 862, you're on the live cast. Please state your name and where you're calling from. Kylan from North New Jersey. Kylan, good to talk to you again. What do you have about tonight's SmackDown? Okay, nice to talk to you, Greg. My first question for you, Greg, is with with Alberto Del Rio rumored to be leaving WWE, was this loss to Randy was this loss to Randy Orton possibly his final match? Okay. Question number two is Natalia's worst fear of being quote unquote phased out coming true with her loss to Carmilla tonight. And question number three, despite his unbeknownst to us somewhat special relationship with Vince McMahon, will Dean Ambrose drop the World Heavyweight title and SummerSlam due to his somewhat inflammatory comments regarding the WWE creative team and Brock Lesnar on last night's Stone Cold podcast. All right, Kylan, a good three-pack of questions as usual from you. Uh, Del Rio, yeah, there's talk about him being unhappy with his push. Uh, there's almost, it seems like since he's returned, there's been talk that either he's been unhappy or that, um, you know, he's close to leaving or something like that. So I, I don't know how much stock to put into that. If I was a betting man, I would probably not put money on Del Rio being in WWE this time next year. Uh, that's just, I, I have no inside information on that. That's just kind of the feeling that I get. 
Um, I, I don't think his loss necessarily tonight uh, was his final match. I don't think his loss tonight necessarily had anything to do with the possibility of him walking, either when his contract comes up or, or asking for his release or what have you. They sort of protected him here. It was a disqualification loss. I think if he was on his way out or had one foot out the door, as it were, I think he would have seen Orton win cleanly to further put him over in preparation for his match with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. The fact that Del Rio lost only by disqualification tells me this isn't his last match, or if it is, WWE doesn't know about it or doesn't feel that way, doesn't see it that way. Otherwise, uh, I would definitely see them uh, jobbing him out pretty straightforward fashion to Orton tonight, but they didn't do that. Uh, Natalia being phased out, um, I I don't get that sense. I think it's going to be harder to phase her out with the roster split just by virtue of the need for capable women to carry the in-ring segments on, in particular, SmackDown, where you have... Alexa Bliss just being called up from NXT. She's still green in some ways. Carmella uh, also very green uh, in in a lot of ways in the ring. So you need somebody like Natalia who, you know, there are. Okay, I think we're back on here. Um, Sorry about that. Uh, My Internet decided it was a good time to reset itself. So hopefully I am back on the air. We'll see when we take the next call. Um, talking about Natalia again, uh, to, to have someone uh, be able to lead the Carmellos of the world through a four-minute TV match on live television, you need people like that. And you look at the SmackDown women's division, you have Eva Marie, you have Alexa Bliss, you have Carmella, you have Naomi, and you have Becky Lynch. So other than Becky Lynch, I wouldn't really put Naomi in the ring general conversation yet. I think she's got potential to be there, but um, I think I need to see a little more from her first. Natalia is someone I think you need as the anchor of that SmackDown division to wrestle the Alexas, the Carmellas, and the Eva Marie's. That's just my opinion, however. Um, Finally, question from Kylan was, will Dean Ambrose drop the WWE world title to Dolph Ziggler based on comments made on the Stone Cold podcast? Uh, I admit I have not listened yet to that Stone Cold podcast. Um, I, I I think Ambrose, you know, can get away with saying certain things because it fits in with his lunatic fringe personality. Even if the Stone Cold podcast, for the most part, has abandoned all storylines, um, so you know he he may have some explaining to do. I don't know. I, I he strikes me, you know, as the type of guy who just kind of says what he wants and doesn't necessarily care about repercussions. Uh, which is is pretty close to, I guess, his his character that he portrays in WWE, in the WWE universe. Um, But, uh, you know, I think all things being equal, I I don't think there's any way Ambrose should or would drop the title to Ziggler at SummerSlam. If he does, I think that's a strong sign to me, uh, unless there are machinations known behind the scenes, uh, that's a strong sign to me that um, that the Stone Cold podcast did ruffle some feathers. Uh, he's certainly not the first person to complain about the creative process, even while under contract to WWE, and guys haven't 
been taken to the woodshed necessarily for that. Um, and if Ambrose has a pretty clean slate up to this point, he may be able to skirt that. So I, I would say no as of right now. Uh, if we if he does, if we're sitting here uh, SummerSlam night, uh, James Caldwell and I on the post SummerSlam livecast, as I will be joining him for that um, after the show. If we're sitting here talking about Dolph Ziggler winning, that's certainly something we've got to bring up as a possible reason because Ziggler kind of feels like a placeholder challenger um, until you know maybe an AJ Styles gets done with the John Cena feud at SummerSlam and ends up uh, facing uh, uh, Ambrose going forward. That would make a lot more sense. But uh, on that front, we will see. Uh, Again, Kylan, thank you for the call. Wrestling fans, if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to get your wrestling podcast fixed, check out Ring Rust Radio. Ring Rust Radio uses its trademark brand of banter to cover all professional wrestling you love, including WWE, NXT, New Japan, Lucha Underground, ROH, Impact Wrestling, and more. We also hold sit-down interviews with some of the biggest names in the history of the business, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Trish Stratus, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns. For those of you who want their wrestling with a perfect mix of serious analysis and comic relief, Find Ring Rust Radio dropping every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Next call is from the 478 area code. 478, you're on the live cast. Please state your name and where you're calling from. Darrell from Georgia. How you doing today, Greg? Doing well, Darrell. How are you? I'm doing quite swell. Um, pretty okay. Um, Smackdown in my eyes. Um, just have three things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first thing would uh, was I wish they would have gave more of a outside bill to the um, WWE World Title, um, some type of package or something like they were giving a lot of the other big five matches this these past two days, like they did for Cena, um, the IC title, um, and all the other ones. I wish they would have gave that more of a bill because they was on to something last week, just wanted them to play off of it a little bit more. Um, two, I wish they um so if they're going to bring a woman's title, I wish they would um, start building at least one or two of these women up so we can know who maybe could possibly be the two top contenders in the whole brand. I know they want to do something with Eva Marie, but I feel like that's holding them back from building up one of the two real women who once they get in the ring, they can have some payoff because soon she get in the ring, all that what they're trying to do with her kind of diminish her a little bit. And um, my third thing is um, I hate when they bring out those guys like that, like they did the tag teams, how they did the women the first week. I just, it just, yeah. I don't see the point of making them come out there like that and just do all of that. It just seems pointless, especially if you're trying to make the tag team division on SmackDown see. Um, serious. Those, yeah. those are my three things. I want to see what you think about this. All right, Darrell. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the call. Um, I'll, I'll hit the last point first. Um, uh, you know, uh, the the tag team thing when it first uh, happened, it did strike me as too similar to what they did with the women on the first roster split SmackDown where they had all the women follow each other and say their little piece and sort of as an introductory, a way to introduce all 
the women, especially the new ones, Eva Marie and Alexa Bliss, to to the SmackDown audience. The difference tonight, because uh, again, that was my first thought too. I thought they're doing this for the tag teams. They just did this for the women. The difference is how the announcers framed it. And I'll give the announcers credit because their push was that these tag teams wanted to get an up-close view of American Alpha to see if they were really worth the hype. And I thought that put over American Alpha nicely. You don't see, you know, you used to see it a lot more. Now it's it's always they come out for the distraction, but you used to see it a lot more of guys kind of scouting their opponents. They'd come out on the stage or they'd come out from behind the curtain and, and watch from a distance, you know, almost like they didn't want to distract the guy. They wanted to see them in the natural element and um, uh, that sort of thing. So for I thought I thought having these tag teams come out and want to get an up close look at American Alpha because they've heard so much about him because of the hype surrounding American Alpha. I thought that made the story make a little more sense to me and it was more palatable for me that they would do that. Now of course you had to have the big brawl at the end of the segment um which which poured water onto it a little bit. But again, American Alpha stands tall. They're the alpha of this tag division so far. And you look at the division on the heel side, there's not much. It's a very barren heel side. So I'm kind of wondering if they don't necessarily turn the Usos heel, but maybe do an American Alpha-Usos feud. Uh, Maybe build up to that. Maybe do American Alpha the Ascension in a quickie feud and have that at Backlash in September or something like that. Um, Because... Once you do American Alpha versus the Usos, where do you go from there? Uh, unless you bring in more tag teams, unless you form tag teams out of undercard guys on SmackDown who aren't doing anything. Uh, American Alpha and the Usos are the clear class of the SmackDown tag division. So if you do have them feud together, once that's done, it's almost like where do you go from there? Uh, before I get on to the other set, uh, parts that Darrell brought up, I do want to mention that um, the number to call if you want to talk SmackDown uh, with me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks, the number to call is 646-721-9828, and you've got to press 1 to get into the queue uh, to to talk. If you're just calling up to listen, you can stay on the line and listen, but if you do want to talk, you have to press 1 on your touchstone phone. I don't know if we, you know touchstone phones even are a thing anymore, but I've I always heard that on TV and I always wanted to say it, so uh, I said it because this is my show right now. I guess. Um, the other points brought up by Darrell, building the women for the eventual creation of the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I think you've got Becky Lynch on the on the babyface side. I think she's got to be involved in the match to crown a SmackDown Women's Champion. And again, another week has gone by, and despite hinting at it in media interviews and things of that nature, there was no mention of a SmackDown tag title. There was no mention of a SmackDown women's title. So I would assume Becky Lynch on the babyface side would get the first crack at the vacant, uh, yet-to-be-determined name of the SmackDown women's title. You know, Natalia sticks out on the heel side as, as someone who is deserving of of representing the heel side in such a match. But we've seen Becky Lynch and Natalia. And, uh, you know, I think 
with what they set up tonight, Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss now is a conceivable match. I think Becky Lynch, Eva Marie, uh, could be a, a match. Now, you'd, you'd, I would assume you would have to have Eva Marie win a few matches to earn that SmackDown women's title match. But they're sort of building Eva Marie versus Becky Lynch to where when it eventually happens, it's going to feel like a big deal because Eva's done everything she's ca- she could to get out of it the first two weeks. So, you know, with with Alexa beating Becky this week, Becky's out for revenge there. And, of course, her history with Natalia. So you've really got Becky set up pretty nicely with all three heels on the SmackDown roster. Now, Naomi, we don't know if she's going to be a heel or a face. You know, on on pwtorch.com, James Caldwell, when he put to get, put together the the depth chart on SmackDown, he put her on the babyface side just because that would even things out at three on each side. If you put Naomi as a heel, it's it's four heels, two babyfaces, and and that's a little more lopsided than I think they want. So there is potential there for for building up the women for the title, uh, more build to the to the world title. Uh, yeah, I I see that. Um, Video package might come next week. You know, the problem is video package for Lesnar Orton works because they have 15 years of history to draw from. They started together. They could draw from that. Um, Rollins-Balor works because you could do the the video package with Balor that they did this past week, which is really neat, uh, talking about how he got his name and things like that, and really using it as as a real introductory piece to Finn Balor. With... Ziggler Ambrose, the way this match came together, doesn't necessarily lend itself well to dramatic video packages or buildups uh, in that in the, of that nature. Now, if you really wanted to go deep, and you were WWE, this feud last week anyway, it was less about it this week. You know. Ziggler trying to prove himself against the Wyatts in that opening segment, I guess you could you could draw comparisons to last week. But it was about Ziggler needing to do more than steal the show. And you could show um, highlights from Ziggler's career. You could show lowlights from Ziggler's career. Maybe matches where he had really good matches and ended up losing. You know, you could intersperse them into this video package. It would take a lot of work, a lot more than, and it would have to draw from a lot more history than um, WWE generally does for these types of, of matches. But it could be done to give Ziggler a little more oomph heading into this match. But um, other than that, unless you go that deep, I don't think this feud, the way it's set up, is really conducive to having that type of, of video package or, or that build. Um, involving the Wyatts here, you know, it's it's the basic storytelling that WWE uses where you've got a babyface, babyface match at the pay-per-view, and how do you build that? Well, you put them in a tag team situation or a situation where there's a miscommunication and one guy hits the other. Uh, so I was a little disappointed, and I wrote in my report on uh, PWTorch.com, that I was a little disappointed that they went to that sort of hackneyed booking after last week's was so well done. Uh, and so, I, I don't want to say imaginative, but it was it was not 
the par for the course for WWE booking. It was something outside of what they usually give us and felt like a real jumpstart for Ziggler. This week they went back into the, the tried and true tropes of, of WWE booking. And I was hoping they'd kind of avoid those proverbial landmines in the build up to Ambrose Ziggler. Are you a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Then join the New Japan Pride podcast starring Bethany Rubel and Javier Machado with an eye for the action and an eye for the story. We'll keep you abreast of all New Japan shows both in Japan and also covering their American expansion with New Japan Strong. And I'll watch all the Yano matches so Bethany doesn't have to. And I'll watch all of the Ibushi matches. Wait a minute. I didn't script that. <laughs> Listen to our weekly podcast exclusively with the PW Torch VIP membership. Become a member at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. So, Durrell, thanks for uh, your call. 915 is next on the phone lines. 915, you're on the live cast. Please state your name where you're calling from. Hey, this is Chris from Maryland. Hey, Chris, what's on your mind tonight? I actually thought that SmackDown was pretty good this week. Um, definitely better than Raw. And, uh, you know, it, I feel like Raw, ever since they changed the set and everything, you know, it, Raw has been decreasing in quality, while SmackDown has been uh, getting a little better each week. Um, I agree with you about that tacking segment. I thought that that worked really well into getting uh, American Alpha over. Uh, I thought they looked really strong, but I think the problem was that uh, um, pretty much every other team other than American Alpha is kind of uh, weak, you know? So there's going to be a lot of work that that they're going to have to do to build them up, or at least, you know, build maybe two extra ones other than the Usos and American Alpha. Um, Right. And uh, I got other two things, if you don't mind. Um, Sure. What are your thoughts on Alexa Bliss? And uh, I don't know if you heard the rumors about supposedly they're thinking about trading Orton back to Raw and uh, Cesaro and KO back to SmackDown. So what are your thoughts on those two things? Um, thanks for the call, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, appreciate it. Um, the the what you know chris said at the the outset um as i'm i'm trying to take notes on, on what he said so i can uh touch on it here um raw yeah raw was back to pre-roster split feel this past week i thought and i think that seemed to be the consensus um at least for the people i follow on on, on twitter during the show um it it sort of lost that fresh feel even with Cesaro Rusev in the main event um, I, I I wouldn't put this week's episode of Smackdown above last week's I thought last week's Smackdown was better than this week's um, I, I didn't dislike this, this episode of Smackdown it was just sort of there I think I, I certainly loved the Ziggler Ambrose stuff last week a lot better than I liked it this week. So I'll I'll give that to. Um, but yeah, Raw is is not has not been able to sustain 
the buzz that it had after that first week. It's really struggled. And that, man, and I cannot tell you how much I think that three hours is hurting it. You can't, I I hate to say you can't because I feel like that's giving WWE too easy of an out, but it's so difficult to produce three hours of consistently quality wrestling 52 times a year. And that's just Monday Night Raw. Forget about SmackDown. Forget about pay-per-views, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's it's so difficult. Um, and yeah, this, this week's Raw was sort of back to pre-roster split days feel. Um, hopefully that doesn't continue. You know, there's always, there's always next week in wrestling and, and next week can always brighten the horizon. It can always make it seem like there's all this potential, you know? Um, and, and there's always a feeling that next week's could be pretty good. You know, there's, there's no reason because there's really no connection as far as because this week's episode was bad, that means next week's episode is going to be bad. Uh, that's not the case. So there's always hope. Um, this episode of SmackDown, again, I didn't think was as strong as last week's, but it was it was decent. It was decent. Uh, the tag team problem, Chris mentioned, it's almost as if American Alpha in two weeks has already leapfrogged every other tag team. And I think that's true. WWE has to find this balance because they have to continue to hype up American Alpha for their main roster audience who doesn't know them from their days in NXT, uh, who sees them as a big deal just by the way WWE has portrayed them, but WWE needs to continue to portray them that way. They have to balance that with also creating a situation where the Ascensions and maybe the Breezangos of the world are competent opponents for American Alpha. You can't just build American Alpha as this top babyface team and then say, okay, where do we go from here? We have no one to feed them to. We have, you know, the Ascension, no one takes them seriously. Same with Breezango, same with the Vaudevillains. You've got to somehow work on building those teams up too so that American Alpha has a nemesis. Um, so they've done a nice job with American Alpha so far, but they have they can't just stop there. They have to uh, raise the profile of all the tag teams. Uh, finally, my thoughts on Alexa Bliss. I, I think that you know when she first debuted in NXT as the sort of pixie babyface, I thought, wow, that is perfect for her, and she's doing a great job with that gimmick. That's something like Bailey that will appeal to small girls, and it's a winning gimmick. And they turned her heel, and I'm like, what are you doing? That's a terrible move. I did not know that she had this tremendous heel personality that she's been able to show in NXT as the valet for Blake and Murphy as well as on her own. She has that great sneer, look that look on her face. Um, it, it's all about between the ropes and it's all about uh, can she with her size um, be a serious threat now it's a it's a little different for the women because you don't have a lot of women despite bliss being short of stature you don't have a lot of women towering over her it's not like you're asked you're being asked to put her in a match with Asuka 
or Nia Jax or anyone like that. So um, she should be okay on that front. Uh, but, you know, she's got to continue to improve. She she certainly has not peaked, I don't think, as an entering performer. So that's something that she's got to continue to work on. Uh, Randy Orton to Raw. I don't know about that. With John Cena probably not going to be on every episode of SmackDown. He wasn't on this episode tonight. You'd like Orton's star power uh, to draw from on SmackDown. But, man, if you were to say Orton to Raw for Cesaro and Kevin Owens, that'd be hard for me to pass up. I'm a big fan of both Owens and and, uh, Cesaro. But I think to draw the casual fan who recognizes the name value of Randy Orton, who sees him as this legacy star, I think you've you've got to keep him on SmackDown long enough to where the AJ Styles is. You've given these guys time, the Dean Ambroses, maybe even the Dolph Ziggler's. You've given them time to establish themselves as SmackDown brand wrestlers, and when people think of SmackDown, they think of those guys. And then you can move Orton to Raw. Uh, but until then, I think you need that star power that Orton that Orton provides. So, Chris, thank you for that call. We'll move on to 773-773. You're on the live cast. Please state your name where you're calling from. Boris from Chicago. Hey, Boris. What's going on tonight? Just by listening to the show... It's almost feeling like I didn't miss nothing, which I, cause I'm, I'm far as SmackDown. I'm, I don't like the um, direction they're going with Ziggler and um, Dame Ambrose. I know some people are up on it and stuff like that, but I think it's too late. You know, it's um, what they call, you know, how they, what's the old saying about something too late, too little, too late. I think that's what it is too with little, Ziggler. Too late, think, yeah. Exactly, and, and and when you, I think my first question. Is this karma for WWE because they walked over talent, and now when they really need to step up, you know, to the plate and actually be a, pro- a, a, a quality product for wrestling fans, it's really biting them in the in the, in the behind. Is this is this karma for WWE? That's my first question. For WWE to to do what now? Is this karma coming back for on WWE because they walked over their talent? You know, they pick and choose. Oh, okay. want to push out. Saying, now, now they don't have now they have good talent to even you know just like you talking about American Alpha just came up and yeah. and you know they they the top t- talent but you see what happened to exten- is, is the extension or whatever they call themselves they came in you know bolstering like they uh, a bootleg version of Legion of Doom and people didn't accept it and they just pushed these people either anyway like and it was a joke so now I was asking the question. It's just karma coming back on WWE. You're specifically talking about Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose, as far as no, the product um, itself. The product itself. How now they're trying to push people that they just they pretty much ruined. Ziggler's gone, man. Ruined. He's just no. It's right. No you're saying you're, you're saying there. You're saying you don't buy Ziggler as a world title contender because no. of what WWE booking has done to him before. And you're saying, exactly. you know, is that is that too is late, the inability little, for you, little too late. the inability for you to buy into him as a worthy challenger is that karma for uh, coming back to bite WWE? Um, oh yeah. I I don't know if it's karma. Just I as think a whole, there are, just as a whole, well, just as a whole, you can just say it as a whole because you really can't the, the tag teams that you need to push, you know, the, the tag teams were pretty much as a joke. 
you know what I'm saying? The single competitors is a joke. And then you got new guys coming up, and, of course, they're going to be better because they haven't been burned yet. You know what I'm saying? And then I, look where it is think- at. I just think it's better. It's just better challenges right now with the new guys that you're supposed to be changing with. That's what I'm saying. It just, it's, it's just, I, think I feel Boris, you, you would. I, I think the good news is the roster split is going to force them to not do what you're, what you're accusing them of doing, you know, putting down the Ascension upon their debut, putting down Ziggler for so many years. I think the roster split is going to force them to, um, if not try to rehab the, image of some of these guys that they've buried into the ground, I think the chances of guys getting called up and treated like the Ascension or getting called up and treated like even an Apollo Crews where he was lost in the shuffle almost immediately. Um, I think I think you're going to see guys treated more like Finn Balor and American Alpha where they're pushed hard out of the gate rather than guys like the Ascension who by you know the third week of their debut were DOA. If you're a wrestling fan, you're a fan of a good story. And if you're looking for a good story, look no further than Stories of Your and Yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and on every episode of Stories of Your and Yours, I narrate a classic or listener-submitted short story, adding music and sound effects to bring the story new flavor. I featured authors such as Edgar Allan Poe, Kurt Vonnegut, Ray Bradbury, Mark Twain, and many more. So don't wait any longer. Download Stories of Your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, today. And if you want to hear clips and get more information, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at S-Y-Y Podcast. That's stories of your and yours, available wherever you get your podcasts. I hate to use the term that we always use, well, just we, I guess we'll have to just sit and wait. And you know, yeah, that's a, I'm, that's all I'm, just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really trying hard because, like I said, with Doc and Doc and Anderson, holy crap! I mean, it's, I think it hurts me the most because I've seen them wrestle and really put on a, a really good show somewhere else. Same with AJ, to see them come here and the best thing they did that really, you know, I was entertained is them showing that they can actually work this style and do the comedy bitch, which is you know the doctor. The doctors, you know, but you know, you 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 see they can do all of this, but they don't get they don't you not utilize them to their fullest, you know. I mean, I well, I just to don't be know fair, that they're, part. They're, they're, fight, they're fighting New Day at SummerSlam for the for the tag titles. That's a pretty now, good push, right? I, I, listen, okay. The thing with New Day that really turns me off. I'm a black guy. To see, to, to see those three people, this is what this is what we amount to. You know what I'm saying? You got to try to put your feet, your 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 feet in my shoes. You know, Kofi was Kofi was in a top a top um, program with Randy Orton at one time, and almost it was just you know Big E was you know you, you see what I'm saying? They was they was treated serious for a minute, and then you mean tell me we. Got, we <laughs> You gotta do. This is what we 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 are. This is how we are represented. I, mm-hmm. I, I get offended. I know people like that, but it's, it's, I just look at it from me. This is how I get represented. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we got Luke Cage coming up for Marvel. That's that, I'm looking forward to that. Luke Cage. You know, 
we getting a whole program, uh, a superhero called Luke Cage on Netflix. I'm looking forward to that because it's, it's a character that's being taken serious. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's how I look at that part, and that's all I have. All right, thanks, Boris. I think that's a I think that's a fair criticism. Um, you know, as tag champions, though, that you know Anderson and Gallows in a good position. I, I like where Anderson and Gallows are. I think they probably could have faced New Day for the titles earlier, um, but they were you know they were embroiled with AJ Styles in the deal with John Cena, so um, you know that they had to kind of hold off on that, but. Um, uh, We'll see. It's a, you know, I've said this for the last few weeks. It's shaping up to be a stacked SummerSlam card. And they're going to try and fit as many hours into that show as they can uh, again. So we'll see how that turns out. And we'll see We'll see if the show does feel like it drags, even with the big matches, just because of, of how long it's going to be. And uh, Boris saying that he was listening to this and felt like he didn't miss anything tonight. I will take that as a compliment to my recapping skills and my conversational skills about SmackDown as opposed to a dig at SmackDown the show itself. So thank you, Boris, for that compliment. Uh, we are here on the post-SmackDown PW Torch livecast, and I am PW Torch columnist Greg Parks with you for at least a little while longer. you got any points on SmackDown, conversation you want to make, 646-721-9828 is the number to talk to me. As of right now, it looks like we've got one more on hold. It is the 281 area code, so let's go to that person now. 281, you are on. Please state your name, where you're calling. Greg, this is James from Houston. How are you doing today on this fine Tuesday? Doing well, James. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, So I have a couple things I, I wanted to get across. First of all, you do an excellent job of recapping because sometimes I'm at work and stuff like that. And you and James uh, do an awesome job of uh, recapping stuff on PWTorch.com. So, of course, you do a good excellent. job. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. Um, so, uh, the first thing I have is um, I'm kind of bummed out that Shelton Benjamin didn't debut, uh, well, didn't make his return. Uh, my first question is uh, – do you think that they have some type of backup plan for another um, call, uh, another return that they might have had since Shelton went down, whether it is an MVP? I heard that that rumor got shot down again, or anybody else uh, returning or anything like that. That's my first question. Yeah, with with Shelton Benjamin's uh, shoulder injury putting him on the shelf, he's going to have surgery uh, and is not going to debut uh, or return uh, in the near future. You know, I think WWE probably, if they're like, uh, you know, NFL teams or anything like that, they'd probably keep a short list of free agents um, or or veterans who they can call and who will be willing to come in. Um, They brought back Jinder Mahal on Raw. They brought back Rhino here. Um, There's reported to be other names who they've contacted and and have even agreed to, although I don't think those names have really leaked uh, much, uh, if anywhere. So, um, they may just want to kind of stagger those returns and not bring them all back at once, but um, let let the roster as it is right now breathe a little bit before they bring some of these guys back. Cool. Um, so I have two other points. Uh, one point is uh, that I want to ask you, who do you see on the SmackDown side of things being the uh, the um, the top of the women's division, um, whether it's Becky Lynch or Natalia? 
uh, or Eve Marie. They're giving Eve Marie a lot of time. Uh, I, I like the stuff that they're doing with her, but it's starting to get to the point, you know, we need to see what she can do in the ring uh, on a weekly basis. That's my for, that's my for, uh, second thing. And then my last thing, a little bit of a loaded thing, um, I hear you and James and Wade and Jason always talk about 50-50 booking, about how 50-50 booking is kind of, you know, kind of uh, is a really bad thing. But with the case of Ziggler, who's been, you know, with the 50-50 booking with Baron Corbin and and, and stuff like that that's happened in the past, all of a sudden, you know, he's up in the main event, well, main event portion of the program with Dean Ambrose, and a lot of people are, you know, it seems like it's a very polarizing reaction to Ziggler um, all of a sudden getting his win, getting some wins, and trying to become a valuable contender. So, uh, contender. So the question, the third, the third, I'm sorry, the third question that I have is, do you think there's a happy medium between 50-50 booking and a superstar that'll, you know, that, that that'll take loss after loss after loss, and then all of a sudden get thrusted into you know, the main event picture or to be a legitimate threat as an upper mid Carter mm-hmm. or a main eventer because it seems like that – it just seems like it, it kind of gets lost in translation, and I guess that's all I have. Thanks for taking my call, Greg. All right. Thank you, James. Um, I think it's a little ironic that we're talking about a happy medium for 50-50 booking. That just seems so appropriate, I guess. Um, you know, with Ziggler and Corbin, I think that's an interesting example. Um I guess the, the crux of the complaint against 50-50 booking is that, and I see your point, James, that you know if you if you prescribe to the theory of 50-50 booking, everybody is one or two big wins away from being able to vault into that main event scene if an injury happens, if a roster split happens, if guys get suspended or released or whatever like that, and you need main event talent. You can pull up a Dolph Ziggler because, you know, he's gotten enough wins uh, interspersed in with losses to where you can call a, where you can, you know, raise his profile. And unless you're Boris, you can kind of take him seriously as a as a main eventer. Whereas, you know, if he had lost all of his matches to Corbin, if Corbin had beaten him handily, if he lost maybe another feud, um, you wouldn't be able to pull him up and really get fans to take him seriously as a, as a contender. I guess the answer to that is, well, you don't take the guy who you've been uh, giving losses to. You take the guys who've been winning. Those are the guys you promote and continue to uh, funnel up the card. Um, I, I certainly don't think Ziggler's a guy who should be losing out, out there every week. Um, but the, the 50-50 booking sort of, it, it prevents guys from getting too low, but it also prevents guys from getting too high. And if you didn't do 50-50 booking, you'd have guys banging their head on the upper mid card. And if you did the roster split, you could take a couple guys and, and Dean Ambrose for the title. And it would just seem like the logical next step in their career progression. But because of 50-50 booking with everybody's equal, you've got a Dolph Ziggler where it's like, yeah, he's won some matches, but he's lost a lot too, and it really feels like he's a mid-carder at this stage in his career. And now you're plucking him up to the main events where it's kind of like a shoulder shrug. Yeah, you'll you'll go along with it, but you don't really buy him as a serious threat. And it'll be a good match probably, and uh, Ambrose will probably win, but uh, it, it won't feel like 
whoa, this title could change, or whoa, the career trajectory of this guy might just put him in a place where even if he doesn't win the title, he stays in the main event scene. And I think that's the argument against that 50-50 bookie. Top of the women's division, you know, we talked a lot about the women's division on SmackDown tonight. I think it's, despite her losses, it's Becky Lynch. And I say that uh, looking at it from a credibility point of view, I, I look at it from uh, an in-ring and a character point of view, my personal opinion. Now, WWE's depth chart may differ. They may have, again, despite her loss tonight, they may have Natalia at number one. They may have Eva Marie at number one based on you know whatever criteria they use. And that's, that's what you don't know is, is I'm using different criteria to rank them than WWE might. But I would say Becky Lynch. I think she had a strong run with Charlotte. I've been puzzled a little bit by her booking since she challenged Charlotte for the women's title. So I'd like to see her take on a more prominent role and not lose in these fluky type ways to to Alexa Bliss uh, on SmackDown. Um, I'd almost go the same route with with Nia Jax and feed her some some jobbers just to reestablish herself and reestablish her credibility and her her move set. Um, because I think she has lost a lot since the the feud with Natalia, which was really cool. Uh, and I don't mean awesome. I mean like the opposite of hot feud. So, and you know, she never got, she had a good feud with Charlotte, but she never got over on Charlotte. And she was made to look dumb every time out because of Ric Flair's involvement. So I, I think fans like her and they want to get into her as a character, but WWE's booking isn't always allowing that with her, I think. Yeah, that's that's where we are on the women. Um, and that's where we are tonight on SmackDown. And uh, that wraps up, it looks like, our calls for this evening. So it's been uh, a good 50 minutes here on the post-SmackDown livecast. Thank you all for listening to the post-SmackDown livecast. Pat McNeil will be taking over as permanent host of this show next week. Pat's on vacation this week, so thus ends my run of uh, three weeks uh, of hosting the post-SmackDown Livecast. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed talking to uh, people, getting their opinions on, on SmackDown. As I plugged earlier in the show, join James Caldwell and I on the post-SummerSlam Livecast. We're going to have a lot to talk about for a, a big card WWE's biggest party of the summer coming up. So uh, that'll be a, a good time, I'm sure. So once again, uh, I am uh, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Thank you for listening, and thank you for su- your support of the Pro Wrestling Torch Livecast. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. 
He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts, or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled, Vince Russo is from Outer Space. And Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of racist gimmicks and poverty pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale, and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro. Part three of the Landstorm Torch Talk with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN, and a potential shift of ECW, also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party and WCW slamboree coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000 and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, 
by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the Torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.